This week on Geek Explained, for the finale of X May, I'm joined by Dallas and Alexis of the Comics Collective podcast to take a look back at the start of the current era of X Men comics. As we look forward to the Hellfire Gala and beyond, we're putting this month's Geek Explained spotlight on Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of Ten. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the final installment of X May, our month long series focused solely on Marvel's Merry Mutants is coming to an end. And for the big finale of our first ever X May event, I thought it would make sense to go back and take a look at the comic that kickstarted this whole wave that the X Men are currently writing on right now. So, this month's Geek Explained spot light is focused in on Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of Ten, the book that kicked off the Hickman era, and I could think of no better guests to have on this podcast to talk about this book than Dallas and Alexis of the Comics Collective podcast. I am so excited to share with you the discussion we had on this book. We had a ton of fun, so stay tuned for that. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. Going to kick things off real quick with miscellaneous news, one piece of video game news to start us off this week. Uh, The Last of Us. Last of Us has been all over the news for the past couple years, and The Last of Us Part 2 has now received a 60 FPS performance patch on PlayStation 5. So if you have yet to play it or you haven't played your uh, New Game Plus grounded playthrough yet on PlayStation 5, now is the time to do it it's going to be real real pretty jumping over to film news four pieces of film news here first off we got our very first trailer for eternals we do know that the eternals are coming to uh theaters this fall or it might be closer to winter i think it's november is when this is coming out but The trailer looked fine. Um, The thing that is really interesting to me is that it doesn't feel like a Marvel film. You wouldn't know it was a Marvel film except for the little stinger at the end of the trailer. And I knew throughout this trailer, I'm like, I'm waiting for them to mention something about, you know, the the MCU, something to tie it in. I'm like, they are going to ham fist this in. And I don't know where it's going to be. And lo and behold, at the end of the trailer... So now that uh, Captain Rogers and Iron Man are gone, who do you think is going to lead the Avengers? First of all, um, it's pretty obvious, Sam Wilson. But uh, also, it was just like, okay, there it is. There it is. Now we know it's connected. But 
I'm interested. I have never been a huge Eternals guy, um, but the cast is star-studded. The story is interesting. We'll just have to see how this film shakes out. We also got three big announcements. First off, on the DC side of things, we now know that there is an animated film in the works based on the Injustice franchise. Now, I had a couple feelings. Regarding this, we are all still hotly anticipating Injustice 3. We don't know when it's coming out or if it's coming out, especially with the um, NetherRealm Marvel game rumors going on. But if you have played the games and you love the games and you have slept on the Injustice comic series by Tom Taylor, do yourself a favor and go read them. Because if they decide to base the animated film on the games, I'm I don't. I don't care. But if they decide to take a lot of the material for the film from the comics, I will be watching this for sure. Very excited to see what direction they go in. Uh, We also got the announcement that probably was only for people who are 25 and up. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2 is coming to Disney Plus next year with the returning cast. The returning witches will be back for this. No uh, plot synopsis, no release date. We just know it's coming in 2022. We don't know what is going on with it, but it's very exciting, especially for people who grew up in that Disney Channel era. And then finally in film news, we got an announcement that the animated DC Super Pets film has found the voice for crypto superman's best friend will be voiced by Dwayne the rock johnson and there's there's a you know i kind of had the same uh response to this that everybody else did there is a, such a thing as Dwayne johnson oversaturation he's everywhere he's everywhere right now uh they even gave a tease he gave a tease himself of his black adam costume like we have a lot of uh Dwayne johnson going around and i don't know if i need more of it necessarily but we'll see what happens we'll see where they decide to go with this it's been in development for a really long time so I feel like it's we're due for some more casting announcements for this, but we'll see. Uh, jumping over to comics news, we've got two pieces of comics news, both on the Marvel side of things. First off, I don't know if this happened this week or if it was announced this week or maybe I just missed it from a previous week, but we had another announcement for a new Captain America for the uh, United States of Captain America line. This one is going to be Joe Gomez of the Kickapoo tribe. He is going to be, his design is super freaking cool. Uh, he's going to be teaming up with uh, Steve and Sam as they make their way across the country. His design is super dope. I'm really interested in this uh, shield thief story that they're teasing throughout all these synopses. I'm into this. I'm very excited to see where they go with this. We also got the announcement that the Defenders are returning. No, not those ones. We are getting a reunion of Doctor Strange and his uh, and his defenders team alongside the masked rider and a bunch of other strange and powerful members as Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez are teaming up to I guess continue on the story that Al Ewing began in Marvel 1000 uh something's coming and Doctor Strange is putting together a cosmic level team to go deal with that threat. So uh, that should be coming out, I think it said in August. So keep your eyes out for that. And then finally, in TV news, we have four pieces, four pieces of TV news. Lots of news this week, kind of sprung out of nowhere. Uh, first off, 
We're going to get some ridiculous news out of the way. Uh, the CW has officially passed on the Painkiller series after the backdoor pilot for the show was featured in this uh, current season of Black Lightning. I don't know what the appeal of it was. I get it. You know, I don't. I think his name's Jordan Calloway. Uh, is a is a great great young star that they want to build a show around but the character I've never found you know he's not you know the most important part or the most compelling part of Black Lightning so um, there's rumors that it might go to HBO Max we'll just have to see what that goes from there uh, we did get the report that Naomi has been greenlit for a full series which is cool Naomi's cool uh, but uh, I, I guess it's time I've been avoiding it I haven't mentioned it at all in the podcast but we got to talk about this Powerpuff Girls stuff so Unless you, uh, unless you were unaware, uh, you would know that the CW is in the process of doing a Powerpuff Girls live-action reboot, basically taking, basically taking the Powerpuff Girls and giving them the Riverdale treatment, making them teenagers, making them a, you know, gritty and realistic and over the top and weird. Um, it's you know, it was built to fail. Let's just say that. It was built to fail. There's, I don't know who they're making this for, but we found out over the past week after possible script leaks that we don't know for sure are confirmed whether they're real or not, that they are scrapping the entire pilot they already shot for this show, and they are doing it over again. The, um, what is it, the person behind the CW who is kind of in charge of this show, the showrunner, I don't know why that word escaped me, uh, has basically said like, yeah, you know, the reason we make pilots is that, you know, sometimes we miss and this was a big miss. So we're starting over. So I just, at that point, like cut your losses, man. Like it's, it's again, I don't know who this is made for. It's not anything special. It's whatever. I'm not excited about this. Uh, we did get the news that Titans Season 3 is going to be officially dropping in August. So if you are a fan of that show, if you are mildly interested, if you just want to see what kind of train wreck this is going to be like I do, um, keep your eyes peeled in August. I'm going to laugh because my my birthday is in August. And if this show releases on or around my birthday, I'm going to laugh so hard with how critical I've been of this show. We'll just have to see. Uh, we also got uh, two big animated uh show news. I'm very excited about both of these. First off, Netflix released its first trailer for the anime adaptation of the Trece comic. That is a Filipino comic that is just it's so freaking cool. It's so freaking cool. It takes place in Manila. It's awesome. And we got our first uh, trailer as well as a big old cast reveal. It looks great. The animation style is awesome. The cast is great. I am so excited about this. More Filipino media. Bring me all my Filipino media. I'm so excited about this. Cannot wait to watch this show. And then also because... The animated show Gods de deemed it would be a good week for me. Uh, HBO Max and Warner Brothers announced, and DC Comics as well, that two new animated series will be coming to HBO Max. And we are about to dive back into the golden age of DC animation because they're both Superman and Batman shows. We're getting Batman the Cape Crusader from the mind of Bruce Timm and Matt Reeves. That's right, Bruce Timm of 
Batman the Animated Series and Matt Reeves of The Batman dropping next week, or next week, I wish, uh, next year are coming together to tell a story of Batman. And the design looks very 1930s Batman, which I love. You know how much I love purple glove Batman. Give me the purple gloves. Uh, Very excited about this. And then we also got the news that a new Superman show called My Adventures with Superman is going to be dropping as well. They actually had uh, some voice cast announcements for this. The story takes place in the early days of Clark Kent's career as a superhero as he establishes himself as Clark Kent in Metropolis as well as Superman in the skies. We have Jack Quaid voicing Superman, which is cool. Uh, You might remember him from The Boys. He's awesome. Great, great talent. Very excited for him. And we also have Alice Lee from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist playing Lois. That's right, boys and girls. We got our Asian Lois. I'm very excited about this. Um, It's a Superman show. What do you want from me? I am over the moon about this. This is also going to be uh, taking place or dropping next year I'm assuming I'm very excited we're getting a new Superman animated series as well as a new Batman animated series this is great stuff Um, the you know one image each of the uh, of both of these shows look fantastic the animation style is going to be fresh and new very excited about this cannot wait to check this stuff out But that is going to wrap up the news segment for this week. And speaking of comic book properties, that is going to roll us right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, which is the grand finale of X-May featuring Dallas and Alexis from the Comics Collective podcast as we discuss... And give a very special X-May edition of the Geek Explained Spotlight on Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of Ten. Ladies and gentlemen, we've made it. Part four of X-May is upon us, and as we're kind of wrapping things up here, we've talked about a lot of X-Men over the past week. I mean, that's really what the month's about. I don't know what you were expecting, but we're kind of rounding things out the way that it should be with the comic that I think really kickstarted a lot of people's, at least in the last couple of years, modern craze about the x-men so we're wrapping up x-may with a spotlight episode specifically on Hawkspox. this has been a long time coming i've been wanting to cover it for a very long time and to cover this incredibly game-changing comic i wanted to bring in two guests who i knew immediately i wanted to be part of this part of this month and I knew would be able to appreciate Hawks Pox for what it is. And that means bringing on two of the most fun people to talk to when it comes to comics. That's Dallas and Alexis from the Comics Collective podcast. Dallas, Alexis, welcome. Hey, thank, thank you. you. 
my heart grew three times. It's like the Grinch. Oh, you're making <laughs> us blush. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really excited for you guys to be on this. Um, if you haven't yet, go check out their podcast. I actually did an episode talking about Superman. I had an absolute blast, and I couldn't get I couldn't wait to get talking to comics with you guys again. So I figured, why not talk about some X Men? Yeah, I'm super excited. That was that was a really fun episode. Please go back and listen to it. Eric has a lot of cool stuff to say. Go on back it. and listen to their sexual tension because there's a lot. <laughs> I just like sat back. I was like, yeah, I'm not needed in this episode. Well, you know, the, there is there is a distinct uh, connection made there. And I don't know if I've made a connection with someone that quickly over, <laughs> you know, over red underpants before. So. Yeah, exactly. BFS forever. <laughs> so um, I've been kind of asking all the guests for this uh, month so far, this question I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I'll start off with Alexis here, since she has X literally in her name. Uh, how were you introduced to the X-Men? And do you have like a favorite X-Men comic? Oh, well, this might actually shock you, but this is my first run with the x-men no way That's i'm awesome. serious so this is my first um reading hawks pox is my first experience like actually reading um x-men comic books so That's super cool it honestly i feel like there was no better place to start i literally sat at work yesterday and read the entire all 12 of them in a row and didn't put my phone down once it was insane i was i don't think that I've read a series like that the entire time that we've been podcasting. Cause I mean, we read series every week. There's always one every week. And I don't think that I had that like hunger for one until I read this one and it was insane. I loved it. That's awesome. That's, and, and that's <laughs> kind of what I love about the book is that it's just, it's bringing on so many people, you know, people who haven't really gotten in the mm -hmm. X-Men before lapsed fans. And like, it's, it's setting the stage for, for like some big stuff. And I feel like I didn't miss anything. If that makes yeah. sense. Like one thing that Dallas said to me when um, we started out, he was like, this is the type of comic that if you really have no idea what's gone on with the X-Men in the past few years, you will get a really good grasp of it. He's like, it explains it really well. And it's a really good jumping off point. And I felt that as someone who's never read it before. Yeah, absolutely agree. And speaking of which, Dallas, how were you introduced to the X-Men? And do you have a favorite X-Men comic? Ooh, um, I think my intro to the X-Men was probably through the movies. And then I don't remember what the title of the video game is, but there was a 2D fighter with just the cast of the X-Men. So it wasn't like X-Men versus Capcom. It was literally just the X-Men. And my friend had it and we would play. And I remember feeling how overpowered Phoenix was for the first time playing that <laughs> game. Oh, I, like, oh. I know which that's uh, what was it? Mutant Academy. That sounds right. That sounds right. And so I just, I fell in love with these characters through, I mean, I loved the the Fox X-Men franchise when I was a little kid. Now that I've read all the comics, I have a little bit different feelings about it, mm -hmm. but the black leather did it for me, man. I was like, that guy's got claws. That guy <laughs> shoots laser beams out of his eyes. And that lady controls weather. There is nothing cooler than what's going on right now. <laughs> nothing like some good old and black spandex. Exactly. Absolutely. And so like, between those two things, I really had a fondness for the X-Men. And so then when I finally started to read comics a couple years later, I knew that like I had to go towards them. I had to figure out what was going on with them. 
And so my major jumping on point was Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Hell yeah. Which I adore. Like I have such a soft spot for that. I've gone back now and read the Claremont stuff. I've read some Utopia stuff. I'm not a huge fan of the post-decimation era, which Fair. I know everyone can boo me, whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's an unpopular opinion. I Sometimes on Twitter, people will be like, oh, the very best the X-Men has ever been is Messiah Complex. I'm like, it's okay. a good it's a good thing in the middle of a lot of bad things. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I like Messiah Complex. I think it's great, but like, it's not Inferno. Yeah, it's, well, in the Utopia era is really interesting because it's like, they they took something that was probably one of the best prompts that they've had in a really long time where it's like oh yeah all the x-men go to san francisco and then when it gets too hot for them there they raise up asteroid m and turn it into an island <laughs> it's Krakoa 1.0 and like they really had a lot of cool stuff happening like around it like tangentially to it like mm -hmm. messiah complex uh wolverine and the x-men still one of my favorite x-men comics ever and then you had uh uncanny x-force the remender run like oh such a good one so good so good and it's like it's one of those periods of time where it's like yeah you know utopia was fine and it did its job but then you know we we eventually had to move on from it because avengers versus x-men was coming and nothing was going to stop that yeah. <laughs> and then the phoenix hasn't had a single day off since then well, they you know literally, what? Marvel was like, you know what? Let's put that bird in every story. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> I just I had but, to pause for but that. What if? But what if Phoenix? But five. Hmm. What if Phoenix? But shown in tournament arc in Avengers, which hurts my soul because I am a I'm a deep seated shown in tournament arc lover. Oh, same. I just could not care about that tournament. i wanted to like it so bad i'm like everything here is what i like like i like jason aaron yeah i like most of these characters i'm okay with the phoenix wish that they would just let it be a part of x-men but that's past at this point you know and i'm like shown in tournament arc this will be great and i i didn't even end up finishing it i was like i can't do it can't can't read that but <laughs> but back back to the x-men the thing back that to the x-men <laughs> um so yeah my kick my starting point was new x-men and having the passing familiarity i did with the x-men seeing cassandra nova come and blow up genosha oh. was such like such an awe inspiring moment i was like i have to know more about what's going on like e for extinction hit me like a lightning bolt and i just fell in love with the x-men comics i read through that whole run i jumped over to whedon's astonishing run which I really liked at the time. I think some things haven't aged super well, but mm -hmm. we can talk about that some other time. And oh, then sure. right into Remender's Uncanny X-Force run, which like we just said, it was great. So like those three things all in succession was like a two week span for me that I was like, oh, now I I have been <laughs> X-Men build. Well, and, it, and they, they executed the exact maneuver that I think they were trying to go for on you where it was like, okay, we've got this X-Men, you know, movie franchise and, oh, we're now kicking up this Grant Morrison X-Men run that borrows a lot of aesthetic from that, you know, from those early Fox X-Men movies. And they just, they hooked you and they never let you go. They really didn't. And they've been punishing my wallet ever since. <laughs> 
There is like a, a little bit of sadness in me during the Krakoa era where I was like, the X-Men used to be such a small part of my pull list. And now every month I look at that bill and I'm like, Krakoa <laughs> is ruining my life, but it's all so good. Well, and that whole era starts off with the comic that we're kind of all here to talk about, which is Hoxpox. Like this was, I remember when they announced this book where they were like, all right, Rosenberg, we know you're doing some X-Men stuff right now. No, you're done. We're now turning <laughs> things over to uh, our Lord and Savior, Jonathan Hickman. He is wiping the slate clean and we're going to do a big old reboot. We're going to have House of X and Powers of X, which later we were informed was Powers of 10. And they've never been able to uh, tell us exactly when X equals 10. So like <laughs> for for the longest time, for the entire... I think for the entire actual like release run of 10 of swords, I was still calling it X of swords. Yeah. And I had, I had one of the, this doesn't happen often. And I want to stress for people who may not go to like comic book shops very often that this is a very rare occurrence, but I had like the rudest person that I had never met or talked to or seen in my entire life go, um, actually it's 10 of swords Oof. and you sound like a fool saying it the other way. And I'm like, <gasps> okay. You said, okay, gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, right. Get out of here. Of like, why are you coming at me right now? I'm in line. What are we? <laughs> I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to pick up Far Sector. Leave me alone. Just keep looking to talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is a Far Sector episode now. Okay. Yep. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Everyone, well, read Far Sector. Seriously, go read Far Sector. Joe Mullane is the best Green Lantern since Kyle Rayner. Period. Ah. And such. Yeah. Yeah. She's so good. Um, I love when people try and gatekeep the X-Men because I'm like, you know, of all the franchises, of all the franchise to be like, you're not allowed here. Like, <laughs> open the book, read the book. <laughs> yeah. That's the point is to not be this way. True. You're like, they preach that whole thing. <laughs> so I want, I want to know since Alexis, I'm, I'm super interested in this idea that this is your first X-Men book. Did, yeah. was this planned? Like when you were. I don't know, when you were planning on starting reading X-Men, was this kind of your first shot or did this just happen to be coming out of the time? Well, I'm going to be honest. Most of my reading is what Dallas texts me to read. Nice. So <laughs> he was just like, we're doing this and doing the Lord's call work. me when you read it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then we called and like screamed about it for like two hours yesterday. <laughs> and As you should. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh, it was very appropriate. Um, but... <laughs> No, because, well, I mean, I guess actually I kind of retract my statement slightly because I actually, for our episode, for our book club over on our podcast, I read. Subscribe. Yeah, go do it. <laughs> Here's a plug. Eat our ego. Um, <laughs> but I actually read Marauders for that. And I found that by myself. Oh, and so Marauders. that was actually my first X-Men, but I kind of like mush them together because they're. The lovely sisters i feel like they're sister comics so yeah yeah that, I, I think that's absolutely fair because i'm yeah. plus marauders is one of my favorites out of that dawn of x era too like oh, it's it amazing. is it's ridiculously good yeah it's it's untouchable honestly until reign of x there have been a couple books that have come out that rival it for my top slot in the mm -hmm. dawn of said, x stuff what you said today but it's so good i don't know if i believe you 
we 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 might touch on those later. We we might have to have to talk about some of the some of the best from this era. But mm. kind of going into House of X, Powers of Ten itself, like when I heard that Hickman was going to be like just wiping the slate clean, doing a pretty hard soft reboot, if if that can even be considered a term, <laughs> it um, is now. It is now. Here we go. TM. That's, uh, that's trademarked for uh, yep. I'll sue you if you use it. <laughs> Listeners talking to you. Um, and then when we started to get kind of the vibe of what this was going to be, it's like, okay, they're keeping this very close to the chest. They've got incredible artists, Pepe Larraz and Arby Silva, taking the reins of uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, respectively. Like, I didn't know what they were planning on doing. And when they basically said, okay, you need to pick up both series because they are going to be tying together, I was a little thrown off because, like, <clears throat> reboots like that don't normally work like this. Mm -hmm. And I guess I should have expected n nothing less from Jonathan Hickman, who is the... <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of like a really auteur like director of film that I could compare him to. <laughs> He's definitely the king of having two books going at one time. Yes. Like he loves to have two books that play off of each other towards an end goal. So Avengers was... and New Avengers, baby. Exactly. That's, oh. So good. Hickman's fantastic. He, um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and the book starts off really um. I don't know if the word's like unsettling. Oh, it's but... jarring. It's yeah, jarring. My, right? my jaw was on the ground when I read that first issue because, I mean, I had been reading Rosenberg stuff and I was like, man, a lot of people are dying in this. <laughs> yeah. you know? I was like, they're just killing everybody. Okay. Um, whatever. And then I saw the pitch for House of X Powers of 10 and I was like, okay, I'll read that. That'll be fun. I like Jonathan Hickman. And the opening page was people breaking out of eggs and Charles Xavier walking up looking like the maker. And I was like, what the hell am I reading? What's going on? I will say I slightly cheated. So like I didn't have that reaction because I read Marauders already. Mm. So I so Dallas was like, it's not the same. You didn't get you didn't get the effect. And I'm like, well, I can still appreciate it. Trust me. It's still a little eerie. It was nuts. And oh, for sure. I think some of the eeriness has been pulled back during Dawn of X. Like it's still there. You're mm -hmm. still supposed to have questions about Krakoa, but there were unsettling moments in House of X and yes. Powers and Ten where you were like, "Are we the baddies?" Yeah. And, <laughs> and they they really make you start to wrestle with your own biases about this group. And I mean, House of X number one does it perfectly when Cyclops tells the Richards family like, oh, I'm a bad guy now for not letting oh. you treat me poorly anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorites. One and I was like, moments. and there was just like this spark back in the X-Men with that issue where you're like, oh, we're talking about X-Men stuff again. Like, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Connor Goldsmith's The Cerebro podcast. Mm -hmm. And he has this thing that he talks about after the decimation with there being 198 mutants, the minority mi metaphor sort of left. Like it's hard to have a minority metaphor with a college lecture hall worth of people, you know? And so with Krakoa and that conversation and the establishment of the island state, it was like, oh, we're getting back to the, the conversations that Claremont and Morrison were having. Yeah. And that that really made me excited about the relaunch. 
Absolutely. And I mean, like, it's it's really fascinating. And they kind of mention it when they were uh, a lot of the marketing of this of this book was like tailored towards like telling the audience blatantly like, hey, y'all remember new X-Men and how much that like <laughs> flipped things on its head? This is going to do the same thing. Like, I don't know if you if you guys remember when this was first kind of kicking off. I, I my eyebrow was raised something. my eyebrow was raised so high and i was like oh really yeah this right is like, yeah because they were like, like giant size and new x-men 114 yes. sure yeah and I, then hawks pops and, I, and, I'm it, like, and it was oh <laughs> oh okay and yeah and going back to like the unsettling stuff that you were talking about like you are absolutely correct the first issue of house of x is so jarring especially if you were reading that rosenberg run where like everyone is dying cyclops is a literal cyclops because he got his eye one of his eyes cut out like mm -hmm. everyone's just like <laughs> age of x-man is going on and no one knows what's happening and like just seeing like krakoa for the first time i'll i'll tell you the first time that i felt like really unsettled in this book was um this page where you see wolverine playing with children in this forest yeah yeah and you're like, I, ruh, like ruh. I was like uh what <laughs> and you just see like it's this silent panel of um professor x like looking at the reader like there's no it's set up like framed like he's looking at gene but like he's blatantly like just looking out at you and it's unsettling <laughs> And this version of Xavier that's kind of set up throughout this, like you said, like gets a little more, um, what's the word? Uh, he, he gets a little more humanized throughout Dawn of X, mm -hmm. but he's still deeply like unsettling at times just because of just how calm he is. And like <laughs> he's you said, a little spooky. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned he looks just like the maker, which is another Jonathan Hickman creation. I love the maker. The maker is a yeah. total like he's the most terrible person, but like he's awesome. And like, like what, a, what a character. Yeah. And like kind of weaving in some of that. Um, some of that DNA into Xavier is such a wild concept. But then, I mean, you want to talk about wild concepts at the end of House of X number one, Magneto straight up says you have new gods now. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. like I love flexes. I love setting up that issue at in Jerusalem yeah. because like, I mean, the book is talking about Israel, right? And so for anybody that's not from my podcast, I my major was in the Hebrew Bible and just like ancient Near Eastern studies. And so like when I saw Krakoa getting made, I was like, oh, they're making a minority nation state. Like, okay, they're making Israel. This is going to be a really interesting thing because like the X-Men have yeah. always been really Jewish. And so for them in the first issue to go to Jerusalem, like we're making our minority nation state and you all have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And then to end it with Magneto, who is agnostic at best right mm -hmm. saying like we're your gods now i was like <laughs> oh okay so this is like the this is the period on the conversation that claremont started <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, yeah. it blew me away it was so fun well and like they took a lot of those kind of cues and decided like they made it very clear throughout this throughout this initial like opening salvo for the krakoa era that they are taking big swings with these characters, with these concepts. Um, and I think, honestly, the biggest swing they took was with uh, our girl Moira X. Yeah. Just 
oh my god <laughs> like yeah yeah i i had to take a lap around <laughs> yeah. just like go walk outside and feel the air for a minute after i read that issue i was like who's a is what's this real a, this isn't real life what is going on which life am i in what is this <laughs> exactly well, and like Moira McTaggart is a long-standing character. Like she's been around for decades at this point, and she was always kind of, at least, and maybe this is very reductionist of me to say, but like she's always just kind of been like Xavier's side piece at times, mm -hmm. and that's like how she was treated often, with the exceptions when you talk about Legion, when you talk about I think Proteus, and the stuff on Muir Island. But like, it was really. I think an, an inspired choice to take a character who really didn't have a whole lot to do with the actual X-Men, like their inner workings and make her the most important mutant of She's the entire the history. whole thing, the whole story. And it was, it was also so clever to make it Moira because I mean, the X-Men have other human allies, right? right? But Moira is the, the sort of perfect ally to the X-Men. She's the one that has no selfish intent other than to help these people. She, I mean, she wants to help her son, but she just consistently makes decisions that are so good for this group that she's not really a part of. And then she also, like, she's built on a retcon. Her first appearance, she's the new housemaid wielding a submachine gun. <laughs> and then a few issues later in classic Claremont style, he's like, by the way, she's a Nobel Prize winning geneticist. And you're like, that didn't come up? Like, I feel that looking for a job right now. I'm like, that does feel like the kind of job you could get with that sort of <laughs> grandiosity around yourself. Like, mm, we're going to need more experience in the housekeeping industry. But <laughs> but then to have like this major retcon baked into this character, it was jarring. It was surprising, but somehow it rang true. You know, You're like, for sure. oh, it was the kind of retcon that makes every story in the past better yes. instead of making you have to sweep a bunch of things under the rug to make it work, which was a masterstroke. And it also it also kind of gives this really strange, like you just said, like retrospective on everything that she's done, the choices she's made. It makes her basically hiding in plain sight throughout every single adventure. And when they get into like the stuff about the lives of Moira X, there's mm -hmm. that whole reference, I think, in I think it was uh, what was that powers of 10 or uh yeah, Powers of Ten number two. With One of the those. giant chart. Yeah, where it's got the oh, giant yeah. chart. And it's also like talking about like, oh, here's the page. Where it's like going through like through the gifted years. And, you know, through the time of hate and fear, like showing all mm -hmm. of these eras. The and then decade. like Yeah. I can I still can't <laughs> get over that. <laughs> I like, can't believe they did that. Like Jonathan Hickman was like, guess who's Guess who else isn't a fan of the Utopia era? This guy. He's like, y'all haven't done an important thing in 10 years. <laughs> I was like, oh, you can't just say that out loud. What are you doing? Which is funny because like we we talked about it with um, the uh, the events episode with Matt Draper last episode. Um, it's really interesting looking at this and thinking about how Avengers versus X-Men kind of kicked off the Marvel Now era, which included the Hickman Avengers run. Mm -hmm. And it's it's wild to me just thinking about like, because Hickman is a long form storyteller, like he will start off a comic and be like, hey, I'm going to write in this scene that's not going to pay off for another two years. And it's <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of planning that he goes into just to make this giant ass chart of each of her lives is absolutely ridiculous.
It's so this is the book of charts, really. Yes. Like I feel like Jonathan Hickman was like, you know what I'm really into? Graphic design. How can I make <laughs> how can I leverage Marvel into letting me be a graphic designer for the next five years? <laughs> and then he just came up with all this as a side to getting that done. He's like, the story is secondary. The charts are primary. <laughs> well, so, so, somebody said something, and it might have been a month ago or something around there, where it was like, um, Hoxpox is not like a comic. Hoxpox is like a guidebook for D&D. This is like a player's handbook to tell you like everything that's going to be happening in the stories going forward, the rules that you're playing by. And it's kind of accurate like showing all yeah. of the you know the graphics like you were saying the little info sheets um this is very much kind of trying to give you a crash course on the stuff that you know and alexis when dallas and i obviously came to this with like a lot of baggage yeah because like we're coming into this like oh that person <laughs> doesn't know that person oh why yeah. is this person this person what is so we talked about the Moira reveal. We talked about like some of the drastic like uh, personality shifts. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of coming into it as a new reader? How did you take that? Well, so with Moira, um, Dallas actually had to because I like I read um, the first, I guess, I guess four. So up until um, Powers of Ten two, I think was the last of those four. Um, I might be wrong, but he was like, call me after these. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like, sure. Cause I had just started and I was like, all right, you weirdo, like whatever. And then I like finished and I was like, oh my, what? And I was like, called him and he was like, he's like, think of how shook you are right now. But imagine that you know who that character is. And I was like, that's fair. I was like, that's a fair point. He's like, we have known her so long. And for that to be all of a sudden that she's a mutant and that she's been meddling the whole time, it's insane. And I, it, it made it honestly a little more fun for me to like have been introduced to it right out the gate. But to see him have to like, have a little bit of internal struggle of being like I like it was so much bigger for me like you have no idea and I was like this is cool <laughs> this is way cool and he's like no you don't understand classic x-men gatekeeping yeah exactly. and, and I was just gonna say that is a that is a stunning Dallas impression yeah it's, really cool. <laughs> it, it's like it's I didn't if I couldn't tell which like box was lighting up on the zoom call like I would think it was him yeah. yeah spot on really <laughs> well i mean i did grow up my whole life being said by my adult my older peers at his age like oh you're dallas little sister aren't you i can tell from your face i'm like oh, thank you i love i love being compared to my older brother's face <laughs> as a as a 12 year old girl i uh, mean they got it right the first time so why re why remix it mom and dad said copy and paste <laughs> <laughs> just As like the x-men hey <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> well and something that i think that they they did that was smart is that they had both of these comics tell kind of different um different narratives because like in powers of 10 they had um 
they had the Moira stuff, obviously, but they also had the deep dive into like all of the bonkers, like future stuff. Yeah. Like it's kind of wild, but the best part of it for me is like sitcom dad Nimrod. <laughs> yeah. Also, but then just also his name. like incinerating his name makes me him, incinerating people while he's yeah. like la di da boom, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's and a he's like, spooky. I'm so 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 sorry for what I have to do, and he like blows them up. Yeah, like, are you really? Are you really there, sorry? There's that one page where he's just like, ah, oh, I want to liquefy him. I want to liquefy him, and then like <laughs> the other one like looks at him and is like, all right, fine. And just the joy on his robot face uh-huh. that he gets to end this person's life. It's just, it's amazing. Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time. And then, so- uh, good. Oh, I was gonna say it's. Powers of I remember reading Powers of Ten along the way was sort of the like I have no idea what's going on ever at all. like well <laughs> during the first bit of those coming out like a House of X issue would come out I was like wow this Krakoa stuff is amazing they're really building towards something and then a Powers of Ten issue would come out and I'd be like I have a baby brain and I need you <laughs> to explain it to me I like I'm five I need you to explain it to me like I'm five I was that's how I feel way. with all of these the, the whole comic world I am an amateur <laughs> comic enthusiast. I am an infant, but but that's that's so exciting. Like it it's is so really exciting fun to be in that early stages. Like I wish sometimes I could be. I don't know. You know I don't know who's excited, more excited, me or Dallas. I feel like Dallas is more excited, like watching me. Just like yeah, I feel like he feels like a parent. He's like, oh, <laughs> look, look at all the things you're learning. Baby's first steps <laughs> into the X Men. Baby's look first X Men. Look at them read. Look. Oh my gosh. Turn <laughs> Oh, she's going to meet Magneto. Oh, she met Magneto. Uh, he's right, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. but So uh, is Cyclops. Cyclops also right. That mm-hmm. was a good era They're for Cyclops. <laughs> Charles, yeah. he's the worst. He's always, always the worst. He's the real villain. <laughs> he makes me a little frightened. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you with that giant ass television yeah. set on him yeah his, his light bulb of a brain yeah. and also those sneaky sons of guns hiding his face for like the first and, year and of making Don, you think something was up yeah and then they're just like ha pulled your leg no <laughs> he's normal but man we got gotcha. you though huh it didn't help that the moment was like penciled by Lanil francis you and you're like god and you're so pretty i hate you so much <laughs> you're such a dick ah <laughs> in your little black cat suit <laughs> but yeah and like what because i felt the exact same way when hoxpox was originally coming out because i'm like yeah i'm really digging house of x i have no idea what's going on with powers of 10 and <laughs> i just i mean i'm lost man so i like, I'm, I'm just reading it because they're telling me yeah i was like i'm just reading this to have them i don't know <laughs> you know maybe this all makes sense and i will say like it's a much easier read like altogether. Mm-hmm. because like you get stuff paid off way like like you, alexis you said like you read it all essentially in one sitting yeah it like, was all in one day picture like getting that first issue of the future where they're like yeah man phalanx <laughs> is coming and then having to wait two months <laughs> to like get any kind of resolution like, on that freaking like, what out what are you talking about who is this person yeah you're getting to, like they... different different yeah. sizes of societies you're like what, <laughs> what? go back <laughs> This is all fascinating, but what the hell is going on? <laughs> What's a world mind? Who even are you? Mm-hmm. Are you making up these words? I know. Yeah. I still got that feeling this time. I'm like, did he make this up or am I just missing something? 
he kept talking about like the the ranking of civilizations according oh, to somebody yes. and i'm like i had to reread those a few times i'm like am i just not well read enough to understand this or did you make this up <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's wild man but i will say like it is it's great because like even though there is that aspect of like i don't know what's going on if you've read hickman stuff long enough you kind of know eventually he's gonna pay this off mm-hmm. like we this totally. is gonna be important um i think and- that's for me that's what i loved so much about this book was that it sort of served as a microcosm for how hickman's books work because yes. the story points get paid off within these 12 issues you know absolutely so if this is your first hickman book you learn okay he'll introduce something but i know he comes back to it and so i can sort of rest easy and so then when we enter into this amorphously long dawn of x stuff right when you see something set up like the vault you know it's going to get paid off later even because you were taught that by house of x and powers of 10 in two of the best issues of the entire dawn of x which they're so good so good and that mahmoud azrar <laughs> art just chef's kiss just be- mm, beautiful. so good but um and one thing that i really something that i keyed into with when it comes to specifically house of x was this suicide mission that they were going yeah like i am a because one of my favorite games of all time is mass effect 2 where it's like you are going off you are basically building up this crew to go on the suicide mission and there's no guarantee that anyone's going to survive and the moment where they're like setting up like orcus and like they've got a mother mold and all this stuff and one of my favorite like scenes and probably all of x-men just in general i'm just gonna say it is that is that um that scene where like cyclops is talking to xavier and magneto and they're like filling him in on what's what's going to happen and they're basically like hey this probably you're probably all going to die if you go on this mission and cyclops is like does it need doing and they're like yeah and he's like then it'll be done and i got chills i'm like yes cyclops it really it felt like cyclops has always been like charles perfect soldier you know and i was like oh but he has so much more agency here than he does in so many of the other things absolutely like this felt like charles is asking a big thing but he could say no, but instead he says yes. And like you said, just chills everywhere. Yeah. So good. I'm sorry. I, I just I just got to the types of societies <laughs> page and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like, OK, we know you're smarter than us. OK, that's great. <laughs> you are you are galaxy brain and we are smooth brain. <laughs> He's singularity it. brain. I am <laughs> organism brain. <laughs> <laughs> You are, I am only intelligence. You are world mind. I get mm-hmm. it. You're cool. <laughs> he, he saw the meme he, he of the brains expanding. Yes. <laughs> he saw and that one like, meme and he's like, that's how yes. I get my graphs into the X-Men. Yeah. He's like, yeah, wait a second. I just make memes out of this entire book. And Marvel's like, yeah, we could pitch that. We could go for it. And he creates an entire alphabet. He creates an entire language. Like it's wild. And he includes like an alphabet for us to follow along with. Yeah. Like I know people who have like, I know at least one person who has like diligently like, oh yeah, I can read Cohen. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, I get it, but why? It feels like Tolkien, honestly, with a the little bit, yeah, of world building going on. We're like, oh, there's so much more to this than the story. Yeah, it's and it again, like that's kind of hickman's sensibilities is like world building is his jam 
to a mm-hmm. ridiculous extent. Like I, I still remember what was it the, um, uh, it, the, it was the concept it, during his Avengers run where it was like the super. I can't remember, but it was basically like the satellite of multiverses. And he's like, this is their job. Mm-hmm. This is their day-to-day, you know, duties. And it's like, where were you? Th- how did this idea come up? Like, and when did you decide this was going to be part of your story? He honestly feels like a modern Morrison that doesn't fall down the rabbit hole as often, if that makes sense. Where there are these insane, and I, I love Morrison, right? Oh, for sure. But- there are these insane things that get built that just never come up again other than to just be like, oh, that's how your brain works. Like your brain builds all of this as part of the story and we just get to be along for the ride. Yeah, And it's, it's so, so fun. And like the amount of concepts that he introduces into this book is kind of wild. And the fact that it's kind of like all thrown at you very quickly and you have to at least i remember when i was reading it the first time i was like struggling to keep up with it i'm like okay wait 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 so they're they're over there okay um and then this this is a okay this is a future story there are chimeras now and then when it comes to like the big suicide mission where like everyone is dying like Mm -hmm. it was traumatic because they hadn't established that people could be revived at this point and like yeah we get it it's like superheroes and comic books like nobody's really dead but they told this story with such finality Mm -hmm. that it like it broke my heart like i'm on the page right now where it's uh wolverine and nightcrawler having that conversation of like wolverine like knows that nightcrawler needs to bamf him out to the last like little pillar to release the mother mold into the sun and he's just asking him like point blank like is there something you know after this life and nightcrawlers he says uh he's like when you wake from this earthly slumber my friend look for me i'll be there waiting for you Mm -hmm. radiant and with open arms and i'm like they're dead yeah yeah you're like oh they're they're killing the main characters okay oh like you don't use dialogue like that (laughs) and not kill them you can't just say just kidding after that (laughs) i was was a little condemning i was like say psych right now (laughs) (laughs) and then they take a break for an issue oh my god then they're like yeah they're dead let's go see what mr sinister's up to do to do to do to do and you're like you can't you can't Stop. do that. <laughs> yeah. Please. Like everyone dies. Like, but I will say that the, the end of that issue where like you see how much, like all of them are just ripped apart in various ways. Um, Cyclops goes out like an absolute chump, which bothers me on a fundamental level. Rip but, in peace. Yeah. Just <laughs> F's in the chat for Cyclops. <laughs> but, uh, and then we get that great final panel of like, creepy maker professor x like crying and just that no more like bubble and then it like expands out to the entire page and it's just this all white page with black text in the middle that just says no more and it's followed by like all of these like look at what they've done and like all of the stats of like people dying and the mutants being whittled down to nothing it is some heavy stuff and then yeah we get that issue of just like it's xavier and magneto going to check out what sinister's doing who has also gotten a bit of a weird like left turn personality change 
Yeah. You're like, this guy's a, a Nazi, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, wait a minute. Like, like you're reading it and you're like, yes. Wow, what a fabulous case. Wait, this is a Nazi. Stop. Bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love all of his, like, all of his clones are also his servants. There's one with this, like, glorious mustache who is That's just, so like, good. his advisor. It's so, so good. And then, But, like, you learned a couple issues earlier. Like, wait, doesn't this guy start breeding pits on Mars? Yeah. <laughs> it's and, like... Yeah, leaving all of that throughout, it's wild. And it just, yeah, he plants a seed and then he pays it off, right? Because even this issue that seems like a weird break is just establishing what you're going to need for the next issue for them to be resurrected, yeah. right? And it's Absolutely. so, so, so clever because and you don't realize that until it gets paid off. Yeah, right? you read it and you're like, oh, that's cool information, and then the next issue gets paid off and you're like, I didn't even real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, and then they have the audacity to drop this, like, two-page The Red Diamond thing in there where it's like, oh, sinister secrets. Let's just count these down. And it's like, you mother... Mm. But so many of those have been paid off in Dawn of X that and I was going through so that good. like it was life and death this time. I was like, okay, there's X of Swords. All right, <laughs> yeah. there's the Gene Logan Cyclops Thruple. All right, what do the rest of these mean? You, you've got the... Uh, the um the always sunny like conspiracy lines going like okay this one matches with this this comic matches with this one who is that oh 100 my twitter feed was so unhinged yesterday i was like all right i'm gonna start predicting five years out into the future everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me teach you a thing or two i was like don't go outside and see the sun dallas it's okay <laughs> touch some grass at least like drive to the so delicious and come back it's fine <laughs> I just want that visual of Dallas just laying in the middle of like a yard with grass with like the, an the open thing an is... open hox pox next to him and then his hand just like massaging the grass next to him. Well, the best thing is, is that he, his house, they literally have like this, the cutest little like farm mystical garden in their backyard. And I can just see it like him laying in between like the strawberries. I don't even know. Just... <laughs> I just, just have my cerebro fine. mask on. I'm like, to me. <laughs> and Addie's grandparents come out and they're like, are you okay? To me, my X-Men. <laughs> just me. to my cat. I'm like, to me, my X-Men. <laughs> walking in the grass. This little paper mache cerebro helmet that you just like <laughs> on your head. I've gone too deep. Too <laughs> deep. When I finally got to the bit about how like the only thing that can defeat the phalanx is the phoenix. And I was like. I oh. saw that tweet. I was like, oh no. That's when I realized I'd gone too far. I was like, Dallas, <laughs> Icarus, come back. Come back. <laughs> the Phoenix will burn you. You're flying too close to the mother mold. You got to get out of there, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, oh. and then, like, again, like, speaking again to that, like, that experience of reading this from week to week, that payoff of the five, of this gigantic tree of, like, everyone just handling, like, the deaths of the main X-Men, like, super well for some reason. Mm -hmm. And, like, these these people show up, and it's like, okay, we knew Hope Summers was important. We've always known Hope Summers was important. To a certain extent, Proteus has always been fairly yeah. important. But then, then you bring balls. in my man Gold Balls. <laughs> like, just the, just that name. <laughs> the moment of silence for him. And so, yeah, like Gold Balls, <laughs> like, I just, the moment that they, okay, I need to find the, I don't know where it is. I'm, 
I would be searching for like an hour looking for this one little thing. But like the moment that they say, and then we found out that gold, gold balls balls have always just been eggs. I was like, <laughs> whoa, what? why? Like, no. And then you think of all the, like how he's used them over the years. Yes. Like those, those poor unfertilized eggs. What are you doing? <laughs> Holy cats. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's, once again, like recontextualizing stuff that we're used to and like giving it this weird, like in a way, super cool, but also super messed up, like recontextualization. I think I'd gotten used to resurrection a little bit during the Krakoan era. And so going back and reading this and remembering how like weird it is and how it's yeah. icky, especially coming off of the week where we just read way of X where Nightcrawler's like, guys, this is bad. <laughs> we we're doing bad things. We need to stop doing these things. And then to come back and read this, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to feel icky about this. Like they tricked yeah. me. Well, I've been I... sipping the Kool-Aid. <laughs> that sweet, sweet Krakoan Kool-Aid. <laughs> down at the green lagoon bar yeah, yeah it's down at the green lagoon bar blob made it for me <laughs> sometimes it gets imported to bar sinister but you don't want to drink there because they do weird stuff with their cocktails <laughs> yes they do but like i i was listening to um oh why can't i i was just listening to this podcast name I'm, I'm gonna have to pull this up now but i was i was listening to um Oh, come on. The uh, iFanboy. So I was listening to iFanboy. Love them. Um, yeah. When they when they did their review of Way of X and they were basically like, yeah, Nightcrawler in this book is kind of like a millennial looking at Gen Z in this book. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. so, oh, that's right on the money. Like, because you're like <laughs> yes. doing these things and then looking at these these kids doing basically the same thing with just a little bit more reckless abandon you're like wait no no that's not a wait wait a second no hold on and it's yeah. like it, it's fascinating at the time because like at the time like when this happened it's like are they are these all clones like are they what are we do we consider them clones? Are they the same? And it's like over over the course of like Dawn of X, like you said, like you almost get desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm sure that has to be intentional. But oh, like, it's, it's a weird feeling like going back and reading it and like not getting that same icky feeling and then remembering, oh yeah, you were supposed to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so funny. Millennials looking at Gen Z because it, it, it really is that way. I love that you say like, it's not like Nightcrawler's not participating in all this culture, right? Yeah. But suddenly when you see the kids doing it, you're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. This is not great. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah, him, him just going like, okay, but just because you can get resurrected, we don't want to be doing this all the time. Like, why are we, why are you making this a regular thing? This is not supposed to be a regular thing. Yeah, they're all like Peter pressuring Pixie to lose her like yeah. resurrection virginity. You're like, oh, what the heck? Oh, what this is not weird good. concept. I, I just want that soundbite somewhere. And then they were peer pressuring Pixie <laughs> for her resurrection virginity. And like, <laughs> show that to someone that hasn't read any of this and have them parse it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? Like, what are they saying? What are these <laughs> concepts? What are comics putting in people's minds? It's the <laughs> X-Men, baby. <laughs> Changing the world. But like, and then they get into... 
as the comic goes along, they start to kind of set up like politics and diplomacy and like there's this entire scene dedicated to like wolverine standing in front of the gates being like yeah i don't like this this is a bad idea and you see all of the villains that the x-men have ever fought coming through the gate and wolverine's just like nope this isn't good i don't like this i'm not a fan and you see the man the myth the chad himself apocalypse just like cruise walk. on in yeah and he's just like hey <laughs> oh hey it's me um we're cool now, right? Yeah. Neat and island. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it kind of looks familiar. I've got a backstory with this. And everyone's like, okay. And he's like, that's all. That's all I have to say for now. <laughs> he's like, there's a whole event about it coming up in about a year. <laughs> don't worry. It's going to be gonna X of Swords mind. or Ten of Swords. And they're like, what? He's like, don't. We'll talk about it later. Shh. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Just shake my hand. It's going to be a swords. really cool splash page. <laughs> and it was. And it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and the moral of the story was, it was. It, it was, was a cool splash page. <laughs> but like, as we kind of wrap up Hox Pox itself, like, we got a lot of, you know, concepts that are going to be coming into, uh, coming into more importance throughout Dawn of X. Like, we get the Quiet Council, we get the, like, imprisonment of Sabretooth. <laughs> the dramatic imprisonment. That is the core, the core tenet of the success of Krakoa has that I haven't had to spend time with the creep that is Sabretooth. <laughs> they threw him in that pit and a new bright era of the X-Men began. And I have to say that there that is causation right there. Right? <laughs> we really can't even consider this the dawn of X until Sabretooth is in the pit. Exactly. I mean, Up until that point, it's fine. Whatever. Sabretooth goes in the pit and the sky got a little brighter. The stories got a little better. <laughs> And he is a gigantic ticking time bomb that is Absolutely. going to be so scary. For sure. Like, that horrifying issue when he breaks out, like oh. that is, oh, it's going to be bad. massacres everybody. It's going to be so, and you know, that's going to be like post-resurrection having gone sour. Yes. Like that's so close with Way of X and all the stuff from Ten of Swords. You're like, okay, yeah, resurrection's going to go bad pretty quick. Like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a problem. Rut row. <laughs> And like something that I I picked up on the last time that or the this most recent time that I read this is that like when Charles is like giving him his sentence as you know uh, Sabretooth is being dragged down he he says you are exiled and for some reason like my brain short circuited for a moment and I'm like exiles are coming we're getting another exiles book and it's gonna be Sabretooth and it's gonna be like. <laughs> But the thing about it is that that's a dumb thought, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll give a book to just about anything at this point, and it'll be gold. Absolutely. I mean, I'm. they sold me on the mainline X-Men book by telling me, like, yeah, this whole, like, X-Men Cyclops or uh, Wolverine Cyclops Marvel Girl Thrupple's, like, happening. And, like, you're going to get to see the day-to-day. -day. And I'm like, yeah, put it on my pull list. Go for it. Sounds neat. Perfect. They're on the moon. Better. Great. Like, it's so, I don't know, like the concepts here are so wild. And all of the stuff from the time travel to the multiple lives to the resurrections, it like, it's bonkers, but it does appropriately set up everything that you need to know to go into this 
uh, Dawn of X age while also having a lot of questions, like more questions than you should than you should be comfortable with. But like, as we've seen over the course of the past, like uh, over the past like couple of years, it's been really paying off in. I think like incredibly profound ways with all of these multiple books and like the big events. Oh, definitely. I just hearing you say like time travel, multiple timelines, resurrections. I was like, they literally made the tropes of the X-Men, the story. Yeah. Like, the joke forever has been the X-Men don't stay dead. They started to joke <laughs> about it in the book that these people had all died like 40 times and come back. You know, how many mm -hmm. times did somebody go to an alternate future where things were going bad? And then come back with a message, you know, like these aren't yeah. these aren't fresh ideas, but they're I think they're the most skillful reshaping of those familiar ideas. And it's like right. this book is undeniably X-Men when you read it. Yeah. And I love what you just said about taking the tropes and making them the story, because like it's absolutely true. The whole like X-Men don't stay dead thing is like a very long running like this is something that's just observed and accepted when it comes to comics but making it something that this desensitization that we have to the characters in general making that not just part of the story but part of the characters like death means nothing to a majority of the people but when it happens it matters like you know we mentioned uh marauders earlier when it was established in the first issue that oh yeah kate can't go through these gates and oh yeah we're not sure we can revive her that <laughs> was a heavy deal when they just drowned her off the coast of magic yes or even like a character smaller than kate Rockslide. i don't care about Rockslide at all but oh, him dying oh, and getting mixed messed up in ten of swords i felt indignant i was like they did that yeah Rockslide. Like, you don't actually care about Rockslide. I know, but, like, there are stakes to this, you know? <laughs> but like, they did it to Rockslide, my unknown <laughs> favorite character. I don't know. I never knew he was my favorite character, but now that he's half a person, like, come yeah. on. Like, can you imagine when the first real death happens again after this? Like, that will be the first death in comics that hits me in any significant way since I realized they didn't matter, yeah. you know? Because like, it's going to be that moment of, like, oh, no, they could just... Oh, God. Nope, oh, they can't. No. And you know it's going to be someone important that you'll miss, too. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Do you know, uh, I'm, I hate to say it, but I mean, they might be setting it up to be Nightcrawler. That'd be so sad. Heartbroken, immediately. That'd be so sad. <laughs> I, don't say that. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to put it <laughs> out in the universe. Logs off. Never talk about, <laughs> yeah, where'd he go? <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, I'm suddenly blocked on Twitter. What's, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> but like, um, kind of finishing up Hawksbox in general, are there any final thoughts for either of you? And do you have like a favorite moment from the story? Mm. Lex, you go first. Oh, put me on the spot. Jeez. Let's do it. Ooh, um, I feel like my favorite moment, I, I feel like one of, one of my favorite moments just off the top of my head really fast is when we're kind of seeing like, that issue where Moira's just kind of like explaining everything and she's like explaining how she low-key hates um professor x and then also she's like meh well he's okay but actually i kind of hate him but he's okay mm, but 
I hate him. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. She just like can't decide if she <laughs> thinks that he's the worst or like the smartest person ever. And it's just like she has to try 10 times to decide if she likes him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that tracks. I, I could see that. Same, Moira. Same. Same. Everyone. Same. Big, big mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or um, I also really liked how we see the end of um, what was, which life was it, Dallas, that ends in the thousandth year? Is it six or nine? Uh, life six. Life six. Six. Yes. Life I, six was the one where in powers of 10, six. Yes. Um, I made the joke to Dallas. I was like, I love how the end of time, it's always going to be Wolverine. He will surpass all life. It's just Hugh He's Jackman there. Anywhere. Hugh Jackman in the year 3000. He's like, boy. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, yeah. shit. Crocky. <laughs> well, and it's so funny because like, I, this is legitimately what happened. When I first read through this book, like when I was picking it up week to week, it didn't, I don't know why I didn't retain the knowledge, but like, I, for some reason, just glossed over the fact that that, like, million-year timeline was her sixth life. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was going through the entire Dawn of X being like, what about that <laughs> what? sixth life? Well, no, they, they, they didn't, they didn't they tell you until that issue. They didn't no, tell you until that issue. But they? I've, no, they, they didn't until that issue in Hoxpox, but, like, I glossed over that. And, like, so I <laughs> He spent, just kept going. Yeah, I spent the entire <laughs> 2020 being, like, We've never been told yeah, yeah. what like, happened they in that sixth that? life because they left it blank, Did and I'm sure that he's going to tell us. And then when I got the uh, I got the collection around Christmas time last year, and I was rereading it through, and I was like, "God damn it! <laughs> like I have been waiting for this for a year, and I just you've been ah. hyping yourself up, yeah." And I, I just like, that. oh man, missed it. <laughs> that was a little bit like I. I totally forgot that the Rasputin and um, Cardinal and all that was life nine. Yeah. I was like, I wonder when they're going to start planting seeds for that. So like, <laughs> you're not the only stupid one. I'm also stupid. <laughs> Thank you. You know? Yeah. We can I'm be stupid. Company here. Stupid X-Men friends together. <laughs> That's what we're all here for. I am now changing the name of the podcast to this <laughs> stupid X-Men friends forever. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> I think, Alexis, do you have anything else to say before I go into uh, a tirade? No, I'm ready for your tirade. Bring it on. Let's do it. All right. My favorite moment, I guess my favorite ticking time bomb is Destiny, right? Ooh, oh, yes. yes. Mystique and Destiny. When Destiny lights Moira on fire and is like, I know about you. And I will, I will find you as a baby and end you. Can like, you imagine? She just pulls up to the hospital and is like, nope. <laughs> like, what a, I, I am so ready for when that gold mask shows up again oh, you know like she's so scary oh it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good and they keep teasing it out they keep playing with it with mystique being like i want my wife back charles give me back my wife and he's like yeah sure tomorrow sure. Ask me tomorrow he's like can i put you on hold <laughs> in <laughs> real life one of our resurrection specialists will be right with you <laughs> But I do also love that whole rule about like no precogs on Krakoa. Oh, it's so sinister. Yeah. It's so, it's so like, all right, you guys are the bad guys. Like <laughs> I wholeheartedly, I like, I believe in what Krakoa is doing. Right. Agreed. But, like I, 
I think Moira is going to make a decision that we as fans are not going to like in order to get that 11th life, right? Yeah, something is going to go horribly wrong and she is going to be the cause of it. Yeah, it's just, it's not good. It's not a good time. And And we're going to watch like our favorite characters get sacrificed for her war. Oh, for sure. As she goes on to fulfill this selfish need. Because at this point, you read her journals, she is 100% using Charles and Eric. Oh, Oh, yeah. Right? 100%. Like, they think, oh, this is the time we're going to get it right. And she tells them point blank. She's like, no, we never get it right. But, like, she's totally working towards becoming part of a phalanx or singularity or whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. There, right? Yep. She's like, I, I am bigger than you people at this point. I'm going to go do that. And you're my stepping stone towards that. Yeah. Like, that's going to be crazy. 100%. Um, but, like, thoughts about Hoxpox as a whole. I think this book is magic because it's a book that you can hand somebody who has only a passing knowledge of the X-Men be like, go forward from here, but it is so good. And it's so inviting that it makes you want to go backwards from here as well. Yeah. I have run into so many characters from this book and the Dawn of X titles. I'm like, I don't know enough about you. And I go and I found so many stories I wouldn't have visited uh, any other way, you know, like rock slot. Oh, oh, Ooh. Ooh, yikes. And it's just, it's so fun. It's such a perfect comic book for that because I think the problem with the X-Men for years, I kept trying to get my friends into the X-Men, but the X-Men is notorious for being like, if you didn't hop on in 1975, good luck. <laughs> like, good luck. You're done. Not a chance. And for whatever reason, this relaunch hasn't been that way. It's been more like, we have such a storied, fun history. You should go back and explore. But if you just want to go from here, you can. And I think that's that's what every comic book should be striving towards, right? That's the fulfillment of the Stan and Jack. Every comic is somebody's first comic. 100%. And so I I love this book. I want everybody to read and explore this book and then talk with me very stupidly about these characters. Yeah, just stupid x-men friends forever like that's what really is the promise of this book it's it's really fulfilling that kirby and lee promise of (laughs) of just stupid (laughs) x-men friends forever (laughs) but yeah uh, i i gotta echo what both of you have said so far when it comes to oxbox like it is absolutely in the conversation for like one of the most iconic and world shifting moments in the X-Men history, like right up there with giant size, right up there with new X-Men. Like these are iconic stories. And this is immediately right up in there. It's an instant classic immediately Mm -hmm. as it came out. Um, I have to, when it comes to like kind of my favorite stuff, like that suicide mission is like top tier X-Men for me. Like, fighting against a losing battle is amazing but i i specifically love this moment like right after they get onto the satellite and like they're all kind of recovering they already killed like two of the people in the on the team and they're like all right we got to go in and it flashes over to the scientist and she's like okay we gotta scramble everybody we gotta you know get the teams mobilized and then you just hear like trunk 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 and they're like what was that and they're like oh we already broke off three of the three of the uh the pillars and they're mm-hmm. like oh oh the book isn't waiting for you to catch up with these characters <laughs> they're the mission's going whether you are ready for it or not and it's it's just one of those cool moments that 
I know the the term, you know, subverting expectations is so like passe now, but like this book really kind of swears by that. Like everything that you think is going to happen, immediate left turn. Mm -hmm. And like the the way that they're able to juggle that while also fulfilling narrative um your your needs when it comes to the narrative is done so well and there's a reason that people keep coming back to it and there's a reason that as kind of this foundation this tree of you know hickman's x-men era has been able to grow so quickly and so with and with such vitality that it's able to like capture those new and lapsed readers and bring them back to the x-men yeah this it's so good and it's so fun to see the x-men being the moment again because of this book you know the x-men there's a reason that the x-men were the franchise alongside spider-man that marvel sold to bring themselves out of bankruptcy Mm -hmm. like this is this is what marvel comics was for so long and it's so nice to see i mean i've seen some people complain like there are so many x-men books i'm like that to me is a sign of a healthy marvel comics Mm -hmm. yeah when like you've got the X-Men right up there next to your other important titles. And it's so, I feel like it's bled out into other books because the creativity in the X office is so infectious that every other title has to compete for the shelf space next to the X-Men and it's making them all better because of it. Yeah. Could not have said that better myself. Like that is, it's it's a good time to be an X-Men fan. And (laughs) over the past like, 10 15 years that's been such a hard thing to say <laughs> you had to like look down in shame kind of like, like yeah i read x-men yeah <laughs> I, like, I like the x-men okay i think Vendus <clears throat> is doing some interesting stuff all right yeah I've, i i read curse of the mutants they felt some <laughs> pretty cool yeah, beast like, bought the brought the teenagers forward i don't know man what the hell i, I have to read this stuff a, yeah i mean they're 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 doing their thing i guess beast He's is a sasquatch now Beast, I mean, he's basically a war criminal. That's that's gonna get paid off some point. And then it got worse. Yeah. And then you said, <laughs> "How could this?" The Watcher showed up and said, "You're one of the worst people I know." And Hank McCoy said, "Bet." <laughs> when you have Uatu, who is generally just like a, yeah, I'm gonna flip through channels for most of the Marvel universe, actually physically come down to you and be like, "Yo." You're awful. Like what you watched what happened on Genosha and was like, okay, yeah, just another day. And he shows up to <laughs> Hank McCoy so, and he's like, that's so true. You're trash. You're that's so true. You're a bad person. And Hank McCoy's like, it only gets worse for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now I need now I need that mean. That that sound bite <laughs> alongside the pixie death virginity thing. <laughs> People are going to listen to this and be like, I'm not going to go check out their podcast. If this is what they're bringing. <laughs> yeah, they're going to think we're psycho. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want more of this specific energy. No, thanks. <laughs> well, it's no, I I think because if if they like me basically spending, you know, an hour and a half on my podcast crying about a Spider-Man comic, I think there are <laughs> there's was- room for everyone. In, in, it's in, just an actual like hour and a half bit of just you like quietly sobbing. No words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you think I'm kidding. Like go back, listen to my episode on uh, Spider-Man Life Story. There's a solid like 5 minutes where I'm having a really hard time holding it together talking about the story Perfect. and I'm like 
why did I upload this? <laughs> You're like, what was I thinking? Did I leave that in? But like, like I could have edited that. <laughs> but like routinely, I keep getting people telling me like, man, that was such a great episode. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't like, understand why you think that. They just they just like to listen to human suffering, which is why <laughs> you should go subscribe to the Comics Collective. <laughs> if that really is our whole MO, will, just human will, suffering. It will spark suffering in your life for sure. You will be <laughs> 10 out of 10. An, we'll an, sometimes we have King Julian cameos, so it just makes it really entertaining. <laughs> It was so funny, wasn't it? He just whipped that out, and I was like, I'm literally probably going to pass out. I'm laughing so hard. You know, like when you're, when you uh, talk, when you have a friend, maybe it was in middle school or high school, and like one day he just kind of shows up with a skateboard, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, you do, you have a skateboard? And he just does like an Ollie in front of you. Yes. Like it's, he oh, I, it out. I had no idea that you had this incredible talent in front of you and you just hid it from the world. That was that moment. Yep. Listening to that episode. Oh, that, that, trust me, that voice has been here for 10 plus years, <laughs> just on the back burner. And now we're going to call that the world. We're going to call that a special talent. <laughs> yep. You sound we're, just like him. We're, we're just, we're going to call that your kickflip. Yep. Perfect. That's, that's your mutant power now. I mean, I'm holding in a Colossus, uh, accent for when we get talking about his outfit <gasps> which is a wonderful little segue to um basically there is a reason that i wanted to make this episode the last of the um last of the series for this month because when this episode drops next week it's hellfire gala time baby <gasps> like it's time Bring it on. And going into this, this is a big deal. Like this, in the way that Ten of Swords was like, okay, this is the first kind of big event for the Hickman era. Like everybody's got swords. It's Mortal Kombat. Like this is going to be great. This feels like something else. Like not just because, oh yeah, it's a big event that they've been kind of waiting on to bring us into for a while, but the fact that they've turned it into a cultural moment is wild. Mm -hmm. like, what if we took the rabid energy of the nerds and we <laughs> gave them their own Met Gala? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine how the internet would melt? It has. These... And of course, the person who thinks of this is Emma Frost. Like of all oh, things. Like... Of course, the queen herself. <laughs> Best character, best X Men. Sorry, it's true. Uh, anyway, so um, we're <laughs> Cyclops forever, but no. but um, okay. <laughs> but like, I I think it's fascinating just kind of watching because I can't remember the last time they've ever done something like this, where routinely, like every other day if not every week we're getting more like oh this is what this character is wearing to the hellfire gala this is what this character is wearing and it's fascinating to me like all of these designs i believe the uh the main ones were by russell dodderman and then mm -hmm. the rest of these have just been kind of going wild i don't know if because these don't look like dodderman art i'm looking at them no. right now i'm pretty sure venditti did all the stuff for sword so like yeah Dodderman did a lot of the main characters, but then artists for their respective books had the opportunity to make more of these. And looking at the sword, like, this is absolutely Venditti. Just, like, looking at Frenzy. Like, 
that's a venditti so design good. like it's incredible and all of these designs have been i i love the way that they've been kind of rolling them out like showing the major players from each book and kind of describing like with x-force for example they're like oh they're working security so they're all in dark suits and bola ties which is beautiful perfect I, I have been waiting for an X-Men bullet tie. And if there was ever a time for the local Hot Topic or Box Lunch <laughs> to get in on some X-Men merch, this is the time to make that X-Men bullet tie. Yes. I would also like to thank them for making Beast look so bad in his suit. <laughs> uh, Joshua Kassara, you're doing the Lord's work. Got him by... again. Got you him. got him again. You said he's the villain and he deserves to look so bad. Yep. Give him <laughs> shorts. I saw so one of my friends made like a Little tier list of all the shorts. outfits. And he was like, he had I all the I tiers. I saw that. And then the last one was just Beast. Yeah, and I <laughs> lost it. <laughs> lost it. I was like, you're right. It is the worst. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. And it's, no. I love it. Because I looked at that same, I know exactly what chart you're talking about too. And I love that but at the same time he put charles and magneto's costumes in like the d tier their and, couple's costume yes and boyfriends. i i absolutely i can't get on board with that because they're the only ones that directly match each other <laughs> true i mean i mean i am gonna say charles xavier's giving me a little bit like white chocolate with his look but it's and... such a Kanye West vibe. Yeah. Like, look at him. It is. It yeah. is down to the like... helmet. Like he's showing up with yeah, like that he helmet. He walked in. He's like, I've seen a few rap videos. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm here with the kids. You know, uh, I've heard of two chains. I'm two brains. Um, <laughs> I have ten chains because it's powers of ten. Powers and of ten chains. He's like, this is the reign of ten. We kicked two people out of the council, <laughs> and so I replaced them with chains. And then Magneto is just like, <laughs> and Magneto's just like, I'm just your stately husband. I'll wear a little bit of gold so that you can have the moment. But here I am with this, this lovely is cane. Genuinely, something I could see Ian McKellen wearing. Oh yeah, yeah. I I want him to wear it while reading the book. Yes, and holding hands with Patrick Stewart across like up style, the two like armchairs next to each other. Exactly. It'd be so good. I honestly, I didn't talk about this when we talked about House of X, Powers of Ten, but that was the most Charles and Eric are husbands a book has ever been. Yes. And I was like, I'm here for it. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah the X-Men are gay again. Perfect. It's going to be good. I mean, yeah, that's honestly like that's something that I've loved about it, about this Krakoa era is they've injected a lot of that sensibility into it. Like it's, it's really refreshing. It has been right. Cause it, makes it feel markedly different from the rest of the marvel universe yeah yeah it does and i mean i know that people have voice concerns with the amount of like teasing that's going on like things Fair. that passed as representation in the 70s and 80s at this point just seem a little bit like all right either like go dip your toes in or like cool it you know and so like i do see that complaint and i realize like i'm not somebody that's a member of the lgbtq community and so take my opinions worth a grain of salt. Right. But it has been really fun to see, to be go on the internet and like talk with people about how Magneto and Charles Xavier are boyfriends and have everybody <laughs> be like, you're right. You know, instead of like, oh my gosh, shut up, dude. 
Well, and I and I think there's something to that, to these, you know, characters who desperately like needed a refresh and now we've got it. And now we're not only giving them kind of a new cone of paint, but we're also seeing stuff that is paying off from years and decades of X-Men storytelling and really letting them out to play. Like, I think the most genius thing that they did is having Psylocke be in two books, like separating uh, Quanon and Betsy and having them lead their own books. Which just, it was so smart. It was so, so smart. Like that was such an eyesore for 30 years. Yes. That to like, to reconcile that right before this era, but then to really dig in your heels and give them both their own thing going on was so smart. Yeah. And with this Hellfire Gala, we're also getting a brand new X-Men team. You know, we've, I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but I'd, I'd like to get into it a little bit here. If you will, if you wouldn't mind indulging me, like we've got like, we got this brand new X-Men team that kicked off in one of the mo one of the worst run like polls that I've ever seen. And I also watched the travesty that was this DC round robin tournament. Um we, we both liked that a lot, remember? <sighs> <laughs> it's the bat poll. Wait, Eric, are you telling me the the comic book company run by a cell phone company? <laughs> Did not do well by underrepresented characters when there was clearly a book that would sell more. You, you know don't... what? When you frame it like that, I guess business daddy <laughs> is going to do what business daddy's going to do. AT&T just like <laughs> swings on in. They're like, that's so funny. You think there are characters other than Batman? And they just like flick somebody in the forehead. Like <laughs> little dum-dum. Come on. <laughs> Give us an, Tom Taylor's writing another Batman book. Shut up. Like, come on. The com the company's called BC, right? <laughs> Batman Comics. Yeah. And, like, we've got Tom this. Taylor chained in the basement. He's writing another <laughs> Batman comic, okay? <laughs> Where And Tom King, he's also chained up down there. He's writing a maxi series about somebody. We don't know who, but it's 12 issues. He can't have any more, any less. <laughs> uh so anyway, X-Men, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the content you come to. This, this is why you have a Dallas and an Alexis on <laughs> the podcast. And this is why you subscribe to them for conversations pure that shit show. stay on track like this one. Never. Like I, like I invited you idiots for one thing. And here we are. And we've what got can writers. We, say? we like to squiggly squig. No, well, I distinctly remember me coming onto your podcast and us spending a half hour talking about something else before we actually got into the actual Superman conversation. It's true. It's, true. That's, it's perfect. It's basically, I want to make the most unlistenable show possible. That's the most fun for me. He so, does a very good job at it. If there was an award, I'd, I'd vote for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You know. So this this new X Men team that we're we're getting. What do you what do you? Let me just run down the roster real quick. So we've got your staples, your big three: Cyclops, Marvel Girl, and Wolverine, in the correct uh, iterations of those characters. And mm -hmm. then you've also got Sync, fresh off of his amazing two parter in the mainline X Men book. You've got Rogue. You've got Sunfire, and the winner of the fan vote, Polaris. What do you both think about this X-Men team? I, I'm excited. I mean, I know a lot of people were grumpy that it was Lorna that made it onto the team. But like, 
there's no way it wasn't going to be Lorna, you know? I mean, I would have loved to see Armor on the team. I think she's great. Agreed. But, like, it was always going to be Lorna. And Lorna doesn't get a lot of great stories. You know, she's she's currently having a really fun time in X-Factor. But it'll be... I'm excited to see her in the mainline book. And I... I want to see her have a cool, fun arc, you know? And I feel like that's the place where she can have that. So, yeah, it's sad she's leaving X-Factor, but that book will be okay without her. Damn. And it's not like anyone else was going to win. So, like, I don't know. I'm not as upset <laughs> as everybody else seems to be. I'm like, yo, yo, hmm, surprise. Robin's won that, and Lorna won this. Like, what are you talking about? Fair. Alexis, what do you think about the new team? I was going to say, I feel like I have yet to form a relationship with a lot of the characters. So I'm just interested to see. I, I'm just interested to see them, you know, um, and kind of see how. Uh, I mean, I've, I've never had really an experience with them. So I feel like I am a clean slate of excitement. Yeah, this is, this is going to be your, your first major X-Men team. That's, I know. That's really exciting. Big business. I- I think that yearning is a really important part of the X-Men. And so to have Sync and Laura oh, on God. the same team after I all that stuff. Now. I I know in two issues, they were like, wow, we're going <laughs> to give you up. But for the X-Men, <laughs> they're, they're end game forever now. And you managed to do it in two issues. Like, And then they put them in the X-Men and I'm like, OK, yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. I want that crazy little thing to work out, you know, yeah. so. I'm going to say the the one team member that I was, I think, for some reason, the most surprised to see on the roster was Rogue. Like, I don't know yeah. why, but just, you know, we see all these characters. I mean, again, Sunfire kind of, you know, being pulled out of the vault liter- or, uh, figuratively, <laughs> not literally, unlike Sink and Laura. Like, um, him being, like, put on the team, it's like, okay, we are establishing that this is going to be a multifaceted team with differing ideals all throughout but then you see someone like rogue who is not like like she's been a x-men mainstay but i kind of like i don't know i was surprised to see her on the uh on the roster yeah you're a little bit like her and gambit came up for air yeah right (laughs) good for them okay (laughs) perfect and um just real quick as an aside uh who did you who did you did you guys participate in the in the x vote i did i voted for armor cool i i wanted my girl to win but alas she did alas yeah i was i was torn between armor and boom boom because i have such a deep-seated love for tabitha as a character she's just the worst person She's but, such a dumpster fire, and I love is, her. She is, and it's so good. And I'm like, just, just give me next wave boom boom, and just put her on this, <laughs> on this team, and make her unable to function. Like, <laughs> I want that so badly. But like, overall, the team is really stacked, like yeah. power set wise. I love. I mean, I think the the redundancy of Rogue and Sync is a little bit interesting. But Great. for me, more than anything, I just want cool character dynamics. Like the magic of the Claremont X-Men years was never in what missions they were doing, what they were accomplishing with their powers. It was that it was a giant soap opera, right? Yeah. And I think that this team has the potential to have really fun soap opera elements. Like I am so ready for Cyclops 
to have his Krakoan nationalist ideals bump into Sunfire's nationalist yes. ideals for Japan. You know, like I want that conversation. I want to hear what Sunfire has to say about all this Krakoa stuff because he has never been willing to put the X-Men first, you know? Not even once. Not a single time. And we love him for it, you know? Absolutely. And so, like, what a fun dynamic to put on that team. Putting Wolverine and Sync on the team right after everything that happened with them in the vault. Like, oh, that is so ripe and fun. And then even bringing Jean out of the kitchen, so to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she's allowed to play again like what wow, that's so fun i want i want more of that i will no. say i kind of wish that she had moved on over to her giant sized costume like yeah. that that like green and yellow variant of her 90s suit that was in the giant size jean gray and emma frost see like... i've got i've got some theories about the dress oh do it so i mean hickman has been confronted in interviews about why he's gone back to this 70s dress right people I just, are i just want to picture mad. Like someone running up with their phone on him like why is she in this dress again he's like ah he's like i'm in whole foods leave me alone i'm not a real celebrity please um <laughs> but he's been very clear that it's on purpose and we should look to the last time she was wearing that outfit right and so you look back, it's the Dark Phoenix saga was yeah. the last time that she donned all of that get up. And again, reading House of X Powers of 10 and the reference to the Phoenix as something that can defeat the phalanx. I'm like, Jean is important to what's going on here. She's one of the first characters we run into in House of X. And she's going to be one of the last characters around when every when shit has hit the fan for this era. Right. Ooh. And so I... People probably think I'm stupid for this, but like I wholeheartedly believe there's going to be some sort of Phoenix arc in this. Like I think we're going to see Jean in classic Phoenix regalia again at some point. And this is just a fun little wink towards that occurring. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid, but no, I think that's absolutely like it makes sense, especially with that Hickman quote in mind. And I'm wondering how that is going to be affected by the treatment of Aaron. Aaron's uh, Avengers run because currently Echo is the mm-hmm. host of the Phoenix and it's you know it, it, there have been some choices in that book you know Phoenix is Thor's mom everybody but like it's I'm not sure how that is going to shape out I have to assume that Hickman has a plan but like keeping that in mind it's gonna be very interesting to see what they end up doing with gene and i mean the rest of this kind of this team dynamic is very interesting too like having a legacy character in a way you know the daughter of magneto teaming up with like the one and only wolverine that's ever been like is really (laughs) i think interesting in that aspect Oh, my boy, Logan. Like, I love I love Logan. He's one of my favorites. But yeah, like, Laura eats him for lunch, you know? It's not even a contest. I mean, Logan doesn't have an actual Wolverine. He, he does not You know have... who does? Wolverine. <laughs> or a kitty. Uh, Gabby and Jonathan <laughs> hanging out. I love seeing, like, the dirty apartment that Gabby yes. had this last week because Laura's <laughs> been in the vault. Like that's the best thing. I love those two so much. They're they're amazing. I need another I need another uh Wolverine book with Laura and Gabby just palling around with Jonathan the actual Wolverine. 
like <laughs> ASAP. And I am, I don't know about you, when, it, when we're recording this, uh, it hasn't come out yet, but hopefully by the time that this episode drops, I will have that Tom Taylor Omnibus in my possession. Ooh, I, I will have it as well. Got it pre-ordered at the LCS. Very exciting. But um, as we're kind of wrapping up here and we're looking towards the future of, you know, this sprawling X-Men saga that we're going to be looking into, um, I've got a couple questions that I want to pass by both of you. And first off, kind of the immediate uh, question, when it comes to these Hellfire Gala designs, do you have a favorite design out of all of the... uh, out of all of the ones that have been released, you can name, you know, two or three if you want. Do you want to go, Lex? Yes. Right, <laughs> um, Colossus, number one, for sure. He <sighs> looks like someone that would step on me and I'd enjoy it. So, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, and I and don't then, think you're alone in that. No, I'm not. And I know that's the best part. <laughs> and then I love the Emma Frost look. But it's like the third one because, you know, the queen can't just have one. Of course not. But it's like where she has her cropped, like swept back hair and like the long, like icicle looking dress. The little gloves. Yeah. Yeah, And her little finger gloves. Mm -hmm. Love them. And it's all she's all diamond. Yes. I'm like, yeah, that that's it. That's I love that she it's very, very Morrison where she's like, I am the fashion you know yes like, yeah she's like i'm the pretty part look at I me i am the moment this dress is here because this is a disney book but like <laughs> yeah I exactly am, <laughs> i am the fashion exactly <laughs> and then third place i would tie marvel girl and storm those nice. two are pretty bad eh? just a living like weather effect on storm. yes Outfit. so good it's it's so Beyonce too. Yes, yes she looks absolutely. like Beyonce. I love it. Like if Emma Frost is doing a Kim K three outfit, I would say she's doing a Kendall Jenner with the no sides of the dress type of thing. Like Storm is a hundred percent doing Beyonce. a Beyonce, and it rules for sure. So good, I love it. So, so good. good. So Dallas, what are your what are your favorites out of this out of this group? All right, so I love. That Colossus, you know, when he went to go get his outfit, he was like, I want you to uh, to really emphasize the hammer of the sickle and hammer. <laughs> you know, I, I want them I want them to say, wow, he has a really big penis. How could Kitty phase through his hand at wedding? You know, like that is 100% what his outfit says. Bravo. Sir. And <laughs> he comes in, he's like, I've got some nice, fuzz- I have some nice fuzzies and then uh, no, no shirt just emphasized hammer and i love that from our soviet brother looking at it it really is just like a giant arrow isn't it it's an arrow Mm -hmm. to his dick like (laughs) what a moment i love that the beard's back i love colossus with his beard agreed but like you can't tell me that's not where your eye is this whole time he literally has gold chains and i don't think i noticed until the third time i looked at this album (laughs) and i'm heterosexual so like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's an outfit and i mean if anything it's goals for my halloween costume this coming year gonna like ruin trick-or-treating for some people but do it whatever do it <laughs> um i love sink 
and his coat is phenomenal. Oh, so yes. Good. I love his little Dread. Bruno Mars oh, hat rules so hard. And his chain with it's the X. So, it's so good. He, and the rings. He's wearing these rings. They're so good. He's 100%. He was like, all right, I've really got to step out. He's like, people don't. A lot of people don't know who I am. And if I'm going to be on the X-Men, I have to steal this show. And, ooh, do, 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 do. I really, I love that Angel was like, just titties out a little bit, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast, but. Like, you know what? I, I'll allow it. All right, perfect. He was like, you know what? What if I, like, I've 100% worn a variation of that as a blanket and me rushing to the fridge to get cheese at three in the morning, (laughs) you know, like pajama pants, blanket over my shoulders, just sprinting to get cheese at three in the morning. And he really took that concept. And he said, what if I hadn't ate ate a carb in my entire life? And then I made that the outfit. (laughs) I'm going to be so shredded and so wearing just loose pants. And it's, I love that for him. You know, it's beautiful. But, like, my real standout, I think, and I realize this is four, was the idea that Kitty Pride, Kate Pride has never been good at fashion. And she oh, decided, she's so bad. Correct. She decided to make that her look. She's like, what if I made bad fashion sense oh, the entire it pains thing? Me. It's so ugly. All the way down to it. her hair. Like, yes! Oh, yeah. She's yeah, a disaster. It, it 100% looks like somebody that has never practiced high fashion at all was like, this is right, right? It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I could do that modern art. That it's doesn't look boots. that hard. It's the boots. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, so bad. It, it, it could be Rachel Summers, though. Oh, like, she is a disaster. She what? scares boo, me. Boo, boo. I like Rachel Summers. Boop I think yourself. Boo. Don't boo I, That me. is so right. Look how cool. pointy no. her boobs are. That can't be allowed. She's 100% reclaiming the hound outfit, and I love that. I think that's so cool. Did she already do that? You can do it again when it looks this pointy. Is that leash her ponytail? She has amazing baby on a leash made of ponytail. <laughs> and then she has spikes covering her mouth. It's so cool. Oh my God. You both, she has like a little devil tail as a ponytail because her real ponytail has a dog on the end of it. <laughs> I, She's uh, giving me oh. Lady Gaga and I don't like it. I adore it. That is that is absolute bad romance. Yes. <laughs> like Rachel meat Summers. dress. Yeah. Love that Captain. Love that Captain Britain forgot pants. Yes. Love that for her. She's she's definitely um, Sailor Moon. Absolutely. Hundred yeah. percent Sailor Moon. <laughs> I hope that somebody like doesn't have these open while they're listening to this, <laughs> and they have no idea what we're referencing. Yeah, and they're just like painting it in their head. They're like pointy yeah. boobs, spikes <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> A ponytail with a dog. This Kendall is something. Jenner. Yeah, I'm, Kendall I'm Jenner. That. Okay, all right. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we can all agree the bravest decision made was Cyclops. For he just um, looks like a normal outfit. I, 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 Eric, mm. Eric, defend your boy. Defend your boy. I Eric. wish I could. I wish I could. because. Okay, so here's the thing. I think it's an incredibly clean look. Very much keeping in style of like what the X Men are. But that being said, the visor is jank. Like, the visor looks dumb. I'm sorry. If you like the visor, like, I love Cyclops. I've loved Cyclops in every iteration of stupid costume that he's had. But, like, it's especially when you look at this and you're like, among that first batch of Russell Donnerman, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, 
more utilitarian out of all of them because he's like a general he's a captain and they're trying to i guess uh visualize that but then you look at some of the other designs that came after this and you're like man like you were really at the very beginning of visualizing stuff for this event when you drew this up because there is so much more you could have done with this design i mean th the biggest thing like his sleeves are attached to his gloves like i'm looking at this right now and it says no cuffs on jacket sleeves turn into gloves come on love, love that for him he said come on. rogue had a moment <laughs> for I'll, for, I'll just do that for too. 20 years at least <laughs> <laughs> i just i love the idea of cyclops getting into this outfit in his little thruple room with gene and logan <laughs> yeah. and logan in a regular ass suit looks at me he's like huh we're a thruple and you're dressing like that huh like pretty safe choice bud he's he's like i'm <laughs> showing up with gene tonight you can come in behind us exactly he's like <laughs> get the step stool bud like, I gotta give Gene a little kissy. <laughs> Just it's it's. Uh, I mean, I really, I really wanted to like it, but especially when you look at some of the designs that came after it, it is just not it, great. It's underwhelming. Absolutely, especially when you like compare him to Gene Gray. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. holy phoenix like this is <laughs> wow like the the open back like the the literal like shards floating around her face mm -hmm. at all times like you want to talk about the moment like <laughs> yes if if you're if your outfit can physically injure the people around you like you're on to something for sure mm -hmm. I... her and rachel <laughs> i let's just stop <laughs> no, 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 no. Hers physically injures. Rachel's just emotionally injured. Emotionally yes. injures the eyes. Yes. I love mystiques where they're like, we're not really sure where the clothes end and the lady begins. <laughs> yes. And she's just I, one big feather. I am so excited for the hint at like a masculine presenting look for mm -hmm. Mystique at the at Basically, I'm excited to see what we haven't seen yet. Yes. You know, I'm a total spoiled brat at this point. I'm like, you showed me so many beautiful things. And now all I want are the things I haven't seen yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want you, I want somebody to cyber bully beast some more. Yes. Agreed. Well, and then especially like you look at some of these designs and like Nightcrawler ripped straight out of a Three Musketeers story. Yeah. And I love everything about it. And like, I mean, we mentioned it already, but we'll just dunk on him again beast looks terrible like comparing that to something like i mean for god's sake they gave sean cassidy this incredibly deep v like cape and suit combo and it's it it looks bad but like it's so much better than what they gave to beast i do love that emma frost was like oh oh okay banshee you're a nice v-neck come to my boat come on over here's one solitary tie <laughs> yeah here, perfect here you go. the look Excellent. is complete it's a skew i just <laughs> i can never be mad at banshee because his power is screaming and i love that so much he has the dumbest power in the x-men screaming so much he can fly 
Like, have you ever screamed so loud you started to fly? And then have you been the primary, the, the primary mode of transportation for your friends? Like, <laughs> I think sometimes we forget when he's like carrying the X-Men. It's like he's screaming that whole time. Yeah. Like Wolverine's ears are bleeding and he's like, I wish I could fly. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> I hate you so much, bub. <laughs> And then, like, kind of rounding out some of my, like, personal favorites alongside that, like, I think Havoc looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, this is everything that I would want. Like, make this his costume going forward. It looks fantastic in how gaudy it is. They took, like, the really, like, dumb rings on his mask and turned them into shoulder pieces, and it 100% improves the costume. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is ridiculous. They've got, they've got Gambit in a kimono. Like, oh, I did love that one. Kimono Gambit. I'll, I'll say it again. Iceman's wearing a dress. <laughs> I love it so much. Like, look at him. He's, ah, it's so good. It's, it's so, fantastic. it's just fun and it's brave and it's embracing something cool, you know? Yeah. Which all of these are. And they're really mm -hmm. like, also calling back to what makes all of these characters so distinct. Like, Ileana Rasputin is literally wearing giant devil horns on the sides of her head. It's so good. She she was like, oh, Scott says we need to look professional as captains. Uh, here's some devil horns. Got it. And then, like, I, I think one of my personal favorites, just because I just, I love the aesthetic of it, is Cannonball. Like, he is rocking his cloak life, and I have been... I have been waiting for cloaks to somehow make their way back into mainstream fashion. I'll keep waiting until the day I die, probably. But like, I just I love this look for him, man. This dumb, this dumb Sam look. It just it sings to me. And I can't wait to see his boy Sunspot with him and the oh. two of them wearing matching cloaks. You know, they didn't show a Sunspot because it's about to be the loudest, best outfit at the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be so good. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. And then finally, kind of wrapping things up here. Um, I want to know what your kind of uh you gave me like a, a big bold prediction earlier, Dallas. I want to know, do either of you have any kind of expectations or something you'd like to see from the X-Men books going forward from the Hellfire Gala into this reign of X and beyond? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big, profound question. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start kind of what give you guys some time to think about it for a second. But like, I just I'm really excited to see how the X-Men function as a team. I am especially with how they've kind of established like, hey, you are kind of going rogue from the Quiet Council and the whole reason we set this thing up to be like this superhero team and watching them kind of integrate back into this super team. Um, the super team climate that we're currently in is going to be really interesting. I'm excited for them to run up against Sentinels for the first time. Like we haven't gotten a lot of it and there's going to be a long while. We know that Nimrod is being worked on. Our sitcom dad is on his way, but like, I really want to see them explore some of the more like high concept stuff that they're that they've teased so far like i think everything going on with the the vault is my jam 
Like it is absolutely 100% I'm in, I'm keyed in on that. And I really want to see these relationships in this team grow and blossom. Because again, Sink is coming into this very much like, hey, you're the love of my life. And Laura's like, I don't even know you. And <laughs> I, I'm excited to see where that relationship goes with both of their perspectives being so different. I, yeah, I agree. I'm really excited with the the X-Men team. It kind of began with Cyclops and Jean standing up to the Quiet Council. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that friction because some of my favorite stories have always been when Cyclops tells Charles he's wrong, right? Agreed. I like to see Scott stand up and be like, no, I'm not just you, an extension of you. I have my own autonomy. And I think there's a lot of really fun potential there. And I, I mean, naming this next era of the X-Men, the reign of 10 sounds sinister, you know, it sounds like, okay, this is, and again, reading house of X and powers of 10, they say this governing body might not be the final iteration of this. And I feel like this reign of 10 era and the new X-Men coming out is going to lead into whatever the next iteration of government is. I think we're coming to an end of the quiet council, but maybe that's just me. Hot take a lot. Um, my favorite things I'm looking forward to showing up in the X-Men at some point. I am so excited for the like slasher film issue of uh, Sabretooth escaping yeah, from the man. pit. That's going to be so if they do that right, it'll be so terrifying and fun. It has like big when they were keeping Sabretooth in the basement of the mansion. One of my favorite treatments of that character. I think there's definitely going to be some fun homage to that. Um, I think I'm really excited to see whatever happens with Gene, the Phoenix and singularities and all that at the mm-hmm. end. Me too. I was going to say that. Oh, I don't know. I, those are like my big things right now. I want to see the friction between the X-Men and the quiet council. I want to see what happens with Sabretooth. I said earlier, destiny, when she nah. shows up, that mm-hmm. will be the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I Her want hunting down Moira. Me. Yeah, maybe I'm in. Maybe I'm stupid, and like Marvel isn't going to let the Phoenix come back to the X Men. But it feels like that's what it's building towards, and I'm really interested to see if that actually occurs. For sure. So that's that's me. I was gonna say Dallas took my two because I don't have enough (laughs) knowledge to have lots of things to look forward to. But well, are there are there any concepts that maybe the maybe Hoxpox didn't dive into enough that you would like to explore more? I don't know. I like want to know. I don't know know if this is like weird, but like, I want to know how they discovered that they could bring people back to life. Like, how did they get there? That's a good point. You know, because they kind of just were like, look, look what we can do. But like, how did they figure that out? Yeah. Who who was the first one? Fascinating. So. Oh, I'm excited. Excited. The little note that said Charles has put like an old brain back in twice. Yes. I want that explored. Like I want to know what the hell that meant. Yeah. What's going on there? When when were Charles reboots? Yeah. Because there are still moments in Moira's journal looking back at Hoxpox where there's like entire entries that are, you know, scrubbed out and classified. And like there are absolutely things that moira is working on behind the scenes i'm just excited to get more moira like that's what i really want like i want to know more about what the hell she's got planned yeah Mm -hmm. me too 
So you know there's something. Yeah. Oh man. It's, especially with how this like the whole book wraps up. Like it is it's really exciting because it ends in like one giant party but like at the same time there is this like foreboding sense of like we are kind of partying before we go to war mm-hmm. and i'm really excited to see that kind of kicked up into a fever pitch over time do you guys think that Sabretooth's gonna kill moira <gasps> that he finds her i think oh. he i think he does make it there but i don't think he's gonna kill her Oh, that can one. you imagine the, just the tension, just like how tense with him down in her no place? Oh, yeah. Just stalking her Jason Voorhees style. Yeah. Like th- this is pote- and they would have to set it up like this is the end. Like this is the this is the end of the 10th life. Like everything resets after this. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, now I need that. I need that to happen. Oh. That's a free. If that wasn't in the original plans, that's a free idea. I won't sue you. Marvel, <laughs> do that. That'd be so cool. That, w- that would be dope. I'm very excited to see the possibility of that. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. It's been it's been a hell of a hell of a ride. Talking about <laughs> yeah, all this it's stuff. been so fun. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you, want to follow up with you guys already, you know, make sure you subscribe to their podcast. Um, where can they find you? Um, for me, I am at Dallas underscore comics on Twitter. I literally, I open Instagram like once a day to see whatever videos my wife has DM'd me. So like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a good follow there. And then our, our podcast Twitter page is at CMX collective. And I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. Obviously we'd love if you came and listened to our podcast, the comics collective. Yeah, it'd be way fun. You can hear the infamous King Julian voice in its all its glory. It, that's that's worth a subscription on its own. It is. Just it really is. Maybe maybe for every new subscriber or person who follows the <laughs> Twitter, Dallas will do a King Julian voice shout out. I can just like I'm gonna start reading the listener mail in a King Julian voice. To do the it. People I dare you. I you want won't. you to alternate between your King Julian and your uh, Colossus Colossus voice, voice between the two of them. <laughs> I'll just send the two of them on a date. People will be like, this is the most unhinged podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> this is the most crackhead energy. They need to be on their meds. He hasn't even mentioned a comic yet, and I'm an hour in. <laughs> we're, so, we're supposed to be talking about the new frontier. What is happening? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, the new frontier. <laughs> and uh, Alexis, if any, if they listeners want to follow up with you, kind of see what you're all about, where can they find you? So I actually just made my Twitter into a comic Twitter. So hey. everyone can go follow me at Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three, as well as Instagram. It's the same thing. I, all of my social medias are the same thing. So bring it on. That's, that's brand synergy right there. I know. I don't know what I was planning when I was 14, but it worked out. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, guys, like Dallas and Alexis are, if, if you already couldn't tell, they're a blast. Their podcast is so much fun. I just actually finished re-listening to their Giant Days episode with <laughs> like- With all of our buddies. <laughs> all of the buddies, every single guest. Like it's it's so much fun. And like, it's, it's really interesting when you go into like the comic book podcast space and you find that there are so many comic book podcasts that are really cynical about comics. And to find a podcast like the Comics Collective where people still enjoy comics, it's Aww. like it's so it's refreshing. And 
honestly, getting to have this conversation with you has been great. I'm so glad that we were able to put this together. And I'm so glad that you were able to help us finish off X May. Thank you. So honored. Yeah, I I love your show, man. So I I was so excited when you reached out. Like I didn't (laughs) want to seem like too much of a giant geek, but I was like, oh, it's gonna be so fun. I was like, play cool, play close to the chest. But like, I've been excited all week. I think I've told everybody I've met, like run into a mail carrier. Like, did you know I am a guest on the Geek Explained podcast coming up and you should listen to it. And they're like, uh, please just and let me do my job, sir. The guy's like, you followed me four city blocks. <laughs> He's this? like, please let me go home. He's like, I have a family, please take my wallet. And I'm like, no, I just want you to listen to my podcast. It's like, no, t- take out your phone right now. You have a podcast app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Type it Mm -hmm. in. He's like, I'd rather you just take my wallet, man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much, guys. This has been great. And I cannot wait to see where exactly the X-Men go next. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we're going to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And I'm not going to lie to you, there were a couple contenders last week. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Shang-Chi number one. I absolutely loved that book, had a ton of fun with it, as well as Flash 770. Big, big fan of that. I mean, it's Jake Eric in World War II. What do you want from me? But the book that just caught my heart and ran away from it was, of course, Nightwing number 80, written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. I loved everything about this issue, like literally page to page, scene to scene. I loved this issue from start to finish, from cover to cover. If you are not reading Nightwing, you need to be reading Nightwing. Just take my word for it. You'll thank me later. But that's last week's books. We got to take a look at this week's books, and there's just there's, there's, there's just there's so many books. There's so many books. There's so many books. Um, as it currently stands here, I'm looking at another 12 books. Plus, I do have to make another addendum. Um, last week, according to the solicits and the uh, checklist that was at the back of the actual issue, um, I was under the impression that we were getting Heroes Reborn, uh, Magneto, and the Mutant Force last week. Apparently, that is coming out this week. So if you went to your shop last week and were looking for the book and didn't find it, that's because it's coming out this week. I won't be doing the synopsis again just because I did it last week, but it is another one of the Heroes Reborn. And you are, if you are a fan of the Heroes Reborn uh, storyline like I am, at least this one that's going on right now, um, you are in for a lot of Heroes Reborn this week. So let's just go ahead and dive into these books, into this list. We're kicking things off with The Other History of the DC Universe number 4, written by John Ridley with art by Giuseppe. Kamenkoli. This book has been phenomenal. The dedication to wrapping these characters' long and complicated histories into the not only the events of the greater DC universe, but also the socio-political um, drama that has been going on throughout not just the DC history, but also our own history, has been masterfully done. John Ridley is an incredible talent. 
able to weave these characters in through historical events, and the art by Giuseppe Camincoli has been incredible. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Words can be tricky. Renee Montoya has known this for most of her life. Words taught to her to feel ashamed of her gender, her sexuality, and her ethnicity. The people of Gotham City taught her to hide who she was to fit in, to be loved, and in doing so, they taught her to hate herself. But from that despair came something unexpected and powerful. Renee's path from a closeted police officer in the 1990s to her time as the faceless vigilante known as The Question is one that is inextricably linked with queerness. It is one that is defiant of boundaries, defiant of binaries, outmoded and hateful stereotypes, and the words that propagate them. As The Question, Renee stood in to contrast society's rigid expectations of her, held a mirror up to the world's face, and asked, who are you? So yeah, um, I love the spotlights that they're giving to these characters. Renee Montoya is awesome, and she is incredible as the question, so I'm really glad that she's getting an installment in this amazing series. Next up, we have Action Comics, number 1031, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, with art by Daniel Samper and Michael Vaughn oming um i i've been really digging this uh again i just i can't bring myself to care about midnighter but i am really enjoying the war world rising arc so i am all in on this let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here after a war-torn battleship escapes War World and makes the perilous journey to Earth, Superman searches for answers about the identities of its mysterious refugees and their apparent link to the planet Krypton. Could there be other Kryptonians in the universe? Meanwhile, Atlantean scientists study the wreckage of the War World vessel and make a shocking discovery that could change the balance of power on Earth. And, in the backup story, stuck in the wrong timeline, Midnighter continues to gather intel on the chrysalis in hopes of finding an answer. But will it cost him his relationship with Apollo? And who is being held captive at Trojan Solutions? So again, I'm not really into the Midnighter story so much. Um, it has nothing to do with the creators. I just, I'm not invested in this. Um, but it will become important because with the Superman and the Authority book, Midnighter and Apollo are a big part of that book and a part of that team. So definitely keep your eye on this for sure. Next up, we have Teen Titans Academy number three. This is written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval. And this is continuing the mini crossover between Teen Titans Academy and the Suicide Squad. I've been enjoying this book. I've been really liking the mystery they're setting up. I'm enjoying the characterizations, the artist stellar. Been really digging this book. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Need for Speed Part 2. Extraction. Don't miss this crossover with the Suicide Squad. Hunted by the Deadly Task Force X, the new students of Titans Academy will have to grow up fast or risk losing one of their own even faster. Why has the squad put a target on new speedster Bolt's back? And why, in its charge on Teen Titans Island, is Amanda Waller's team of villains being led by the mysterious Red X? 
So I'm very interested to see, because the timeline of these two books separately is really odd. Um, the last uh, Suicide Squad issue ended with Suicide Squad being confronted by Red X, um, but the last Teen Titans Academy issue was Red X fighting against the Suicide Squad. So I'm not sure, but I'm hoping that they clear this up soon. Definitely looking forward to this, though. Next up, we have Heroes Reborn, Young Squadron number one. This is written by Jim Zub with art by Steve Cummings, and this is your first uh, Heroes Reborn tie-in of the week, if you don't count the Magneto and the Mutant Force. And this is the champions uh, re-envisioned for the uh, Heroes Reborn Age. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. We'll talk a little bit about the book. The Squadron Supreme of America have taken root in the hearts and minds of all, but none more so than a trio of youthful champions who call themselves the Young Squadron. Kids Spectrum, a.k.a. Alexander, Girl Power, Kamala Khan, and the all-new Falcon, Miles Morales, are here to fight for truth, justice, and the American flag. Or are they? Beneath the flashy facade of colorful adventure, something grim is stirring, and Deadpool is determined to bring it to light. So that sounds really interesting. Um, I love the uh, recontextualization of the champions in this way, making uh, essentially Nova a Green Lantern, <laughs> uh, turning Kamala into part of... Um, I believe it is uh, Power Princess, her sidekick instead of Captain Marvel, and of course, Maz Morales becoming the Falcon is wild. Um, I love everything about this world, just the recontextualization of everything. It's very cool. I really, really dig it. Next up, we have Robin number two. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov, and I actually really enjoyed the first Robin issue. Um, I... Really, I don't like this characterization of Damien because it feels like it's backtracking him. It's taking away a lot of his development as a character and just making him petulant, arrogant Damien Wayne again. But I'm still really in for this. The cliffhanger of that issue was awesome as well, and I really dig this new Flatline character. Really excited to learn more about her. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Wake up. After the shocking events of Robin Number 1, Damien has learned the deadly rules of Lazarus Island the hard way. Now he must prove that he belongs in the tournament and uncover its secrets. But his only ally is the daughter of one of his greatest enemies, Ravager. In this tournament, only one fighter can get out alive. Ready for round two? Fight. So yeah, um, again... I love tournaments. I love the concept behind this. The characters that they introduced last issue were very cool as well. I am digging this much more than I thought I was going to. Next up, we have Heroes Reborn Siege Society number one, written by Cody Ziglar with art by Paco Medina. And this looks like we're getting a little bit of the Masters of Evil with some new additions that I'm very excited about to, uh, to explore. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
Black Widow and Hawkeye lead an assault on the Squadron. After the civil war that split the Squadron Supreme in half, Nighthawk formed his own squadron in Europe. But not all of Europe is okay with it. Baron Zemo has put together his own team to take them down. Who's on this team? Natasha Romanoff, Clint Barton, Scott Lang, and Victor Creed. The Squadron doesn't stand a chance. So yeah, again, very excited. I love the uh, lineup for this. This is wild. Making Scott Lang, uh, putting him in the irredeemable Ant-Man armor, I think is inspired as well. But on the cover, we've got him, we've got Sabretooth, we've got Hawkeye, Black Widow, Zemo, as well as the Silver Witch. So I, I dig this. I really am looking forward to this for sure. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1036, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Clayton Henry and Dan Mora. And I, this is one of the best DC books going on right now. Both this, you know, Nightwing, Robin, they are killing it. And I hate to say that because, of course, you know, it's Batman books. It's Batman books. But I am really just, you can't argue with the strength of the book so far. You just can't. So I'm really digging this. Looking forward to picking this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Neighborhood, Part 3, slash Huntress, Part 2. Batman versus Huntress. As the Dark Knight delves into the mystery of Sarah Worth's murder, the only witness who truly knows what happened that fateful night is Batman's only hope to clear his name. But another hunter is stalking the mysterious killer plaguing the city, and Huntress also has her set eyes set on Bruce Wayne. The violent vengeance of Gotham unleashes holy hell on Batman, as trouble brews above and below the city streets. And the backup story, Huntress and the Hunted, zeroes in on Gotham's own violent vengeance. In the previous chapter, her world was rocked by the gruesome murder of a dear friend. But there's more to this sinister scene than meets the eye. So I'm assuming that the way that they're more or less uh, shaping this up is that the Huntress backup is going to lead into her appearance here. Um, I am just, ah, it's so good. Detective Comics is awesome. Definitely should be picking this up if you aren't already. Next up, we have Heroes Reborn number four. This is written by Jason Aaron with art by Ed McGinnis and James Stokoe. And this, you know, what can I say? I've already been saying it. Heroes Reborn is fantastic. I love this new world. I love these characters. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. With the cosmic might of his power prism, Dr. Spectrum has become the most feared lawman in the heavens. But now, the dark forces of deep space have sent the galaxy's most notorious bounty hunter to end Spectrum once and for all. That's right, here comes Rocket Raccoon. Plus, in a backup tale, the all-new Starbrand finds herself alone in a strange new universe. So I like the way that they're setting this up, right? The squadron are getting the main portion of the book, and each backup details blades slowly building up this Avengers team once again. Um, I love the format of this. You know, we are heading towards a big clash between this, you know, re 
built Avengers team versus the squadron. And with the tease in Siege Society that the squadron might not all be together, I really, I'm very interested to see where they go with this. Next up, we have Batman Superman number 18. This is written by Jean Lun Yang with art by Ivan Race. And I love this book. Having classic, you know, 1930s versions of the characters, Superman and Batman, and having them, you know, crossing paths over the course of, you know, their worlds being more or less blurred together is really, really cool. Um, I'm less interested in the, you know, the prime Earth stuff that's going on with our usual Batman Superman, but... This is very interesting to me, and having a villain like the Archivist, I think, is really cool. So this is is really cool. I'm just really digging this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Dark Knight and the Man of Steel are on a mission to stop the godlike Autor.io from destroying the pocket worlds he's created. But where on earth did Autor.io even come from? The answer starts not on Earth at all, but with an ancient cult of World Forger worshippers on a planet far away. And if our heroes are to have a prayer of stopping this mythic behemoth, they'll need to get to the bottom of his power source and quick. It's a race against time as the parallel lives of entire worlds hang in the balance. So yeah, sounds really cool. I'm digging this new... uh, uh, this new mythology that they're setting up. Very, very cool stuff. Loving it already. Next up, we have Beta Ray Bill number three. This is written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, I love this book. I don't know what to tell you. Beta Ray Bill is right now one of the best Marvel books that's going on, and it's only on issue three. Only issue three? Are you kidding me? It's so good. You need to be reading this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Argent Star, Part 3. Bill marches into the heart of darkness. Beta Ray Bill takes a bloody path to find his glory, and the perfect weapon to forge it with. And he's even got a few friends to brave the battle alongside him. But the journey is one even Odin would call treacherous, and not all of Bill's friends will survive. At least not in the form you know. Daniel Warren Johnson and colorist Mike Spicer will break Bill's heart and yours. Ominous. Very ominous. I'm digging this. Um, They've set up a, you know... A fun little merry band of misfits to go along with Beta Ray Bill into Muspelheim. I am digging this book. I love this so much. Pick this up. Next up, we have Strange Adventures number 10, written by Tom King and art, of course, by Mitch Jarrods and Doc Shaner. I just, it's great, man. We're heading into this final arc, last three issues of the book, and I cannot wait to finally get some answers, which is what they are promising with this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Chapter 10. Once upon a time on Ran, Adam Strange made a deal with his neighbors and foes to take a stand against the invading Picts. Now, on Earth, he's trying to do the same thing, to get all the heroes to rise as one to keep the marauders from doing to his home planet what they already did to his adopted one. But the original deal was a devil's bargain, and Alana Strange has received a mysterious letter that may tell her more than she wants to know. If she wants to keep her husband safe, it's time for her to go on the offensive. 
So I really dig this. Alana is a fascinating character, and in a way that I've never really connected with her in the past, Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's have really turned her into this character that you are constantly, you constantly have your head on a swivel for because you don't know what she's going to do next. Um, I just, I really dig this book. Pick this up. Next up, we have um, one of my big books of the week, which is X-Men number 20, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Francesco Mobley. Uh, this is our final stop before the Hellfire Gala. Uh, next week, next week, Hellfire Gala kicks off. I'm very excited to uh, pick this book up, and I am very uh, afraid and nervous for our uh, friendly mutants here. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. System online processing. Yeah. Um, the cover shows Nimrod. Nimrod is going to bring the fall of the mutants. I am scared. <laughs> I am very afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. We shall see. Um, ah, this is the wrong thing to happen right before a big event like the Hellfire Gala, which means, of course, this is when it's going to happen. Very excited about this. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Milestone Returns Infinite Edition number zero. This is written by Reginald Hudlin with art by Dennis Cohen Bill S and Bill uh, Sienkiewicz. I am very excited about this book. This is... Also, not just the book we've gotten before. Uh, there was a digital release after the announcement that Milestone was coming back, but this is even more than that. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. At last, it's the return of the legendary Milestone comics. This one-shot features 24 all-new pages chronicling the events of the Big Bang. The police brutality protests gone wrong that changed the face of the city of Dakota forever by unleashing a wave of superpowers across its population. As the world watches, a bullied teenager will become the hero known as Static. A framed scientist will go on the run as the superweapon hardware, and a stranded alien will meet an ambitious young woman who will transform his life, and remake the pair as the all-powerful icon and rocket. Also included is the 17-page primer story originally released online during the world-famous DC Fandom event, further expanding on our hero's origins and where they're going next. And setting up an entire world of allies, enemies, and surprises. The original milestone changed the face of superhero comics forever, introducing the industry to a wave of black talent who still shape the conversation. And the new milestone intends to raise the bar. This is the perfect jumping on point. Don't miss out. So yeah, that tells you really all you need to know. The major players of the milestone event or the milestone comics that are coming back you're going to get a brand new status quo for the world. You need to be picking this up if you want to check out the Milestone universe going forward. And honestly, even if you're not, you know, super interested in, you know, the um, the offerings for Milestone yet, pick this up and it might turn your uh, 
might turn your opinion around. So that does it for another stacked comics countdown to recap. We have The Other History of the DC Universe number 4, Action Comics number 1031, Teen Titans Academy number 3, Heroes Reborn Young Squadron number 1, Robin number 2, Heroes Reborn Siege Society number 1, Detective Comics number 1036, Heroes Reborn number 4, Batman Superman number 18, Beta Ray Bill number 3, Strange Adventures number 10, X-Men number 20, and Milestone Returns Infinite Edition number 0. Phew. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explained podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and subscriptions, ratings, reviews really do help me out, really helps the podcast out with all the algorithm nonsense, and just kind of raises our stock in the podcasting space and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here on the podcast. You can join the likes of our Mighty Nine, including Cfar ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, Brian, Mouth Dork, and Dallas Meeks. I want to say a big thank you to all these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Plus, if you want to be part of our Geek Explain mailbag, if you have a question for me, you want a quick pitch, maybe some comic recommendations that I haven't covered on the podcast yet, or anything, please feel free to send emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Just put mailbag in the subject header. Uh, You can join the likes of our two letters this week. First off, coming from, let's see here, Russell Swinehammer. Please tell me I pronounced that correctly, Russell. Uh, First off, Russell, thank you very much for writing. And Russell writes, Hey, Eric, just want to say that I love your show. Genuinely. I look forward to it every single week. I began listening towards the end of WandaVision's run. I haven't stopped since. You truly helped me get over my midweek hump. I'll put the episode on during the latter part of my shift so that there's just enough left for my commute home. You've helped me expand my exposure to comics, Marvel Mostly love that, Uh, especially with the vision and the Scarlet Witch. I do, however, have a hard time with getting lost in a story when reading comics. I tend to read them on my phone through the Marvel app. Do you have any recommendations as to how I can enhance my experience? Thanks again. I truly can't put into words how much I love your show. Keep on doing what you do. You have a listener for life in me. Sincerely, Russell Swinehammer. Russell, thank you so much for writing in. I truly do appreciate it, and it's awesome that... We have become part of your weekly rotation. I love that. Uh, When it comes to reading comics, you know, the thing that I think becomes a barrier for a lot of people is just how much of it there is. You know, you can dive into any book and suddenly have, you know, editor's notes like, oh, see this issue or have people, you know, comment on stuff that happened in a previous run. And it's very difficult at times. You know, Stan Lee famously once said, You know, every comic book is someone's first comic book. And when it comes to stuff like the Marvel app or Comixology or even just going to your LCS and grabbing, you know, whatever's on the shelf there, uh, the thing that always helped me out a lot is just asking questions to whether it's someone who is at your comic shop or asking, you know, people like me or other resources in your life who have, you know, either consistently been following comics or what I do anytime that I feel like I'm getting lost, you know, in a story like, oh, what happened here? What happened here? Uh, Google is your friend. Wikipedia is 
your friend. There are tons of Marvel wikis all over the place that will give you breakdowns and rundowns. You know, I'll use them you know, for research, if I feel like I've missed something, or if I just want to do a once over for like our explained episodes, if I feel like, you know, there's a period of time here that I'm missing that I don't remember, let's go on to a wiki and check that out. Or if I want to catch up on what's going on. Also, what's super helpful, and you know, I'm surprised this is the first time I'm mentioning it on the podcast. There is a website slash blog slash other podcast called the comic book Herald. Um, Guests from this uh, from this podcast, Matt Draper is a regular contributor to Comic Book Herald. Comic Book Herald is one of the greatest databases for both story recommendations, for reading orders, for anything you could look for. Go to Comic Book Herald. They are amazing. The folks that put that together are incredible. They're wonderful. Again, I'm surprised this is the first time I'm shouting them out. It is well past due for that. But if you need... You know, any kind of like, oh, I don't know where to start reading this. I don't know, you know, what the proper reading order for an event is. Comic Book Herald is the way to go. They're not sponsoring this podcast, obviously, but um, they are wonderful over there, and I could not recommend them more. They're great people who deserve, you know, incredible props because the things that I do here like week to week where I will go through like one story they are doing consistently for all their stories so go check them out if you ever feel lost or you ever feel like you know hey I'm not really getting this or like these characters don't make sense what are they referencing here that would be your friend Um, if you want to do just a basic search you know Google is great these wikis are great there are dedicated wikis to everything now but if you want something that's really comprehensive and gives you not only like the information you need but also links to like uh, where to purchase other books Comic Book Herald is going to be your friend there so Russell thank you very much for your question I hope I answered it. Uh, we're going to move on to the next letter for our Geek Explained mailbag, which comes from our good brother, Brian Real. Always a pleasure getting letters from this guy. Um, he writes, Hi, Eric. Boy, have I been enjoying X-May. Wonderful. I love that. Uh, I even started rereading Hawkspox for the finale, and I'm loving it as much as I did when it first started coming out. I wanted to ask you this week that if you had any creative control at Marvel, be it an executive to greenlight a book or the one to actually make it, what would your ideal X title to see what would be your ideal X title to see happen? And who do you think you would want to be featured? in the book i think i would set the perimeters for this question as that it has to be in the krakoan era okay you could replace an existing title with your own take on it like your own excalibur pitch with your own version of the team for example it will be a single character book like wolverine if it will be a single character book like wolverine they need some type of supporting cast and finally i'm sorry but cyclops can't be featured anywhere no brian stop i need to he says i need to make it at least kind of hard for you (laughs) there you go uh would love to hear your thoughts thanks for doing x may it rocked and i loved uh it rocked and i hope you have Okay, I'm going to start this over. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for doing X May. It rocked, and I hope you had as much fun making it as I and the other listeners had listening to it. Be well and take care. Best, Brian. Brian, thank you for your your email. And also, why? Why are you like this, Brian? Why are you like this? You know I just want a 12-issue maxi-series on Cyclops. 
But if I didn't get that, um, there has been an idea that I've been kind of kicking around for a while. And reading this, um, this is the perfect time to talk about this book. So I would have this book take place in the Reign of X, post Hellfire Gala, post, you know, whatever gratuitous murder happens there, whatever, you know, trial that uh, Magneto is going on, whatever you want to call it. So. I would have this book take place post Hellfire Gala. Moira X, who we have gotten nary a thought to since, you know, Dawn of X really kicked off, uh, is putting together a team. Now, this team, I don't know what the idea would be. I don't know what exactly is going on, but she is sending this team into the multiverse with all the nonsense with uh, Ten of Swords, with all the nonsense with Excalibur, the multiverse kind of being opened up, um, and all of the stuff going on with Betsy Braddock, having her just having returned um, with all of the multiversal crap going on and a new status quo with Captain Britain Corps being around again. Moira needs something deep in the multiverse. She doesn't know what world it's on, but she has a clear idea of what it needs in it, and she needs it for the survival of Krakoa. This team cannot be um, traced back to Krakoa. This team cannot be traced back to her. So this team needs to be a black ops team basically going into the far reaches of the multiverse to retrieve something or to scope something out or to, you know, scout something. I'm, I've been getting into attack on titan recently and this is just where my mind is gone so it's like it's the scout core so uh this is krakoa's scout core basically mora has assembled this team to dip into various multiversal worlds try and find clues as to where to get this MacGuffin, whatever it is and this team is consisting of let me pull this up i just typed this up here so moira is going to be directing the whole thing and the team consists of Tempo, Boom Boom, Armor, Vulcan. I had to have a Summers brother. Don't, don't, just don't. I will not be accepting any questions on this. Uh, Blink, Daken, and le- leading the team, Bishop. This team has dealt with all kinds of things throughout all of their lives. Um, and all of their... Uh, all of their power sets really feed into being kind of a Black Ops get in get out you know with no must no fuss they'll be trying to fly under the radar of the captain britain corps they will of course be coming into conflict with them on multiple occasions uh tempo with her uh time manipulation powers is going to be able to help them with any kind of uh ticking clock scenarios boom boom because you know i love boom boom i just do we need someone who can cause a ruckus armor is going to be our tank and the one who is who will be able to get our heroes, you know, retrieved and out of any kind of terrible situation with uh, plenty of protection. Vulcan, as I said in our Building the X-Men episode with Doug from For Every Kind of Geek. Go check that out if you haven't already. Vulcan's our nuclear option. He's our uh, he's our energy source if something is bad and this team essentially is being put on this, uh, is being sent out in here and can't be connected to Moira or Krakoa, if they are found out, if they are found by the Captain Britain Corps, if they are found by Saturnine, Vulcan Vulcan detonates, destroys them all. And because they're in the multiverse and they're too far away from Krakoa, resurrection's not a thing. So there is 
lots of tension there. Uh, Blink, obviously, she is our transport. She is to get us from point A to point B. Plus, I just love Blink. I love her so much. Dokken. Strictly because, um, honestly, this was a sentimental choice for me. Dokken is a a favorite of mine, an under underappreciated character, and with X Factor unfortunately ending with issue ten, I needed something for him to do. So I'm bringing him on this, and his survivability is going to be absolutely needed for you know all of the harsh conditions they're going to be going through and of course bishop is a fantastic leader if you are not reading marauders if you don't know bishop's incredible career history as a leader you need to check yourself plus with his uh time travel and his multiple timelines experience going from multiverse to multiverse is going to put him in a specifically uh unique position that is tailored to him as a leader also I was trying to just kind of cherry pick people from current X books to just kind of build a team up, and I I really dig this team. Um, there's lots of stuff to explore there. Uh, I think that having this team go from world to world would be interesting for different arcs, and it kind of being shrouded in mystery, not knowing exactly what's going on. Plus, whenever this book does wrap up, when they come back, Ko is going to be a very different place, just judging from all of the of X hype that's going on and of I almost forgot the title of this team of course they're called the Exiles ah you knew they had to be there the Exiles uh reviving that title I think it would be awesome I think that would be a cool book I would love to see it happen there's no way I would I am talented enough to write this book I could be an editor maybe on it but um I would love to see this I think it'd be fantastic so Brian as always, thank you so much for your email. I always appreciate hearing from you. And again, if you want to get your email read here on the podcast, just send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here. Also, if you want to follow us, you know, keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or just shoot the shit with me on the latest pop culture and nerd stuff, you can follow us on the social medias, the Instagram and the Twitters, at Pod. that's at P-O-D, and that is going to do it for X-May. That's it, we made it here, all four episodes are in the archives, check them out. I loved doing this series. Uh, the X-Men are at an all-time high when it comes to their creative capabilities, their hype within Marvel. Really, they're kind of the best thing going on at Marvel Comics right now. And I hate to say that because you know how much I love a lot of the Marvel books that are coming out, but X-Men is consistently that whole corner, that whole Krakoan corner of the uh, of the Marvel Universe is so strong right now, and we're heading into the Hellfire Gala. As this episode drops, next week is the Hellfire Gala. So we are here, we have, you know, made it through Hoxpox, a brand new rebirth of the X-Men franchise, we've made it through the Dawn of X, we've fought through Ten of Swords, and now with the Hellfire Gala and the Reign of X on the horizon, or the Reign of Ten, 
there is a lot to be excited about as an X-Men fan. And I hope you enjoyed this trip through X-May. I loved putting this together. Once again, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of the guests we had for this uh, crossover event, this big event in Geeksplained. Owen Likes Comics, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, and Dallas and Alexis from the Comics Collective podcast. Again, go subscribe to their YouTube channels. You know, subscribe to the Comics Collective podcast. You will not be disappointed. If you like what I do here, you are going to love all of the stuff that they've got in store for you. And I'm just very happy with this. I loved getting to put this together. This might be an annual thing. I might make this an annual thing. I really enjoyed it. I love talking about the X-Men. There are tons of stuff. Tons of topics to talk about the X-Men with. And if you enjoyed this, let me know. If you enjoyed X-May, if you had as much fun listening to it as I did making it, please let me know. Also, let me know what you want to hear with next X-May. Let me know what guests you want me to bring on for this. I'm always looking to bring in new guests for the podcast. So just let me know and um, we'll make it happen. Also... One last quick plug before we get out of here. Of course, we do have our Geek Explained book club dropping every single Friday as we uh, go through the entire run of Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley's Invincible. I'm joined by good brothers Malcolm Russell Nelson and, and Jacob Brown. So every Friday, stay tuned for that. Check in. We drop the we drop those episodes. Uh, this week, we are doing Volume 5 for Invincible. So if you want to read along, with us make sure you read that and then hop on to the feed on friday for that discussion and that is going to wrap up may may is over as we move on to june there's a lot that we have to look forward to for the rest of this year so stay tuned next week for the first episode of june and for a brand new episode of the geek explain podcast same geek time same geek channel but for now for geek explain this is eric azana thank you very much for listening stay excellent stay safe and we will see you next time <laughs>